0: Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies. My name is Arnaldo, and to my left, as usual, Birdo is Birdo. (laughs) Okay, so how this podcast works, we have a set of rules. I usually go over, I'm going to just speed right through them because we got a lot to do today. Uh, Rule number one, the movies we select must be a comic book superhero film. Rule number two, it's failed if it's out of business, like they're not making any more of them. Rule number three, if a film ends on its own terms without setting up for a failed sequel, it passes. So let's get right into it. Berta, what movie are we doing today? Batman from 1989. We are in the big leagues now. (laughs) None of that old shit we were doing. That was just a warm up. This is the real deal. We're doing Batman. 1989, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I am so excited, and we have to go quick, I think, because there's so much to talk about. I don't want this episode going four hours. I was telling you, I kind of wanted to break it up into two parts, and I'm like, "Ah, what's I going to do? Like, you know, and then we're going to do that for other movies. There's no need in making it longer than the length of the movie, obviously. So That might happen. It very well might, and, and that's okay, because this movie is probably, if you go down the list of movies that we're covering, either the top or the second most important film out of all of these, in terms of cultural impact, in terms of what it did for the film industry, for superhero movies, we wouldn't be here talking about this for, if not for this movie. A lot of people may not know who Batman is had it not been for this movie. This is the
1: one that kind of kickstarted like the whole comic book Adaptations, well,
0: probably it, Superman. Yeah, but then like that's why I said maybe a second after Superman is well, probably this changed. Definitely changed the way they're made and received, though. Yeah, exactly. And we're gonna get into it, but I'm so excited. Initial thoughts: Have you seen this movie before this viewing? Uh, when I
1: was a kid, so I didn't really remember too much. So it yeah. was almost like watching a new movie for me.
0: Yeah, this was uh definitely like watching a new movie for me too because I had seen this as a kid also. I was very much into this franchise. This is the beginning of a four film franchise we're doing. Uh, they are Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. And this kickstarts this. Uh, so we're going to do all four in a row because they all belong to the same franchise. Even though At- there is a weird disconnect after Batman Returns. Yes, yeah, and we're going to get yeah. to that. But out of these four, and because of that, the latter two are much more kid-friendly than this one. And so, mm-hmm. as a kid, I watched all four of them, and I kind of didn't like these first two. And so, I, I, the ones I re as a kid were the latter two. But... Well,
1: I can't even imagine understanding what was happening in this movie as a
0: kid. Yeah, this movie's not for kids. No, <laughs> um, it's not. It's really, really not. It's really dark. It's very dark. Yeah, you can see why me as a kid would be like, yeah, that's fine, but I really want to watch these colorful, fun ones, right? Right. And so, I would have been just a few months old when this movie came out. So I watched this again as an adult once, I think in like college. So it's it's been a while. I kind of went in again, fresh. Like I remember certain scenes, but for the most part, like the plot of this movie, for example, I didn't remember. I couldn't have told you before we sat down and watched it. Do you have any other initial thoughts before we get into it? Initial thoughts? Not really. No, I'm just kind of ready to dive in. Yeah, this movie is available on HBO Max. Is it still available on HBO Max? I should have checked that. I mean, I'd... I watched on HBO Max today. Oh, okay. So. As of this recording, it is available on HBO Max. This is probably the best movie to follow along with. You can watch on HBO Max and come back if you'd like, or if not, whatever, spoilers. So let's just get into it. You ready? Let's just start. This is, Okay, so the movie starts on the symbol. It has like the close-up shots during the credits, and it's just like rocks. And like yeah. ledges and stuff. And, and we have that
1: score by uh, Danny, Danny Alfman. Danny Alfman.
0: Yeah. That, Hugely that, impactful score. That in iconic. This movie. It's very iconic, yeah. I remember this score mostly from I had Batman returns on Game Boy, like the original Game Boy. Okay. And I played the shit out of that game and it had the score nonstop in the background <laughs> and like I guess sixteen <laughs> bit. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> so and like Batman was pink because it was like Game Boy. It was like maybe Game Boy color. And it and it just assigned random colours. There's colors only so many colours yeah. yeah. So anyway, zooms out and you see the whole bat symbol. And I feel like that is such a trope now. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if this started it. Um and we're gonna get to it, but this movie plays a lot of allusions to a bunch of other films. This is like a, a like film student's wet dream of a movie. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say right now, you probably caught a lot more of that stuff than I did. You'd be surprised because there, <laughs> there are some deep, deep, deep cuts. We'll get to them. I wrote a lot of them down. So we pull out, and then it takes us to Gotham City. You see some fun.
1: parents and their kid just kind of like, they're leaving the theater.
0: Yeah. I thought that, I mean, I don't know if you thought
1: that was bad. Oh, I totally did. I and I, think and that's I was like, more the fans. how the hell can, how are the
0: Waynes, first of all, why are they trying to get a cab? Yeah. Secondly, why can't they get one? Yeah. Because so they're tourists. Yeah. visiting Gotham City. Which, which is funny well, because Gotham City is supposed to be kind of like this beat up New York City type. Yeah. Right? It's, because the writers are from New York. Yeah. But it's just like the shittiest parts of New York, right? Mm-hmm. And so the guy's like, the dad's like, I don't want to look like a tourist, put the map away or whatever. And they go into an alleyway and...
1: Real stupid Yeah, decision. but I thought it
0: was the Waynes for a minute. I'm like, wait a second. But then she calls him Harold or something like that. So they are about to get mugged and then Batman shows up. And that's how you know it's
1: not the Waynes
0: because right. Batman showed up. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like a little bit of foreshadowing to, you know, what happened to Batman and why yeah. he specifically prevents this kind of crime, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Batman shows up, and right off the bat, you just see him. You know, this doesn't this isn't an origin story, and I like that about this movie because to me, Batman is a character that doesn't really need its his origin told because it's so simple. You can tell it in a flashback in two seconds, and you're done. Yeah. He's not like oh, Iron Man has to whatever he has to get captured and go out to blah blah blah, and then has to build a suit of armor and then come out. and I don't know who else has a convoluted origin story. Like you think about like... Maybe Shazam? Uh, yeah. Like Shazam and Daredevil and these characters that you, you really have to explain yeah. what happened to them for you to understand. You can't just say it in one sentence and go. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But Batman, first of all, everybody knows who Batman is. Even at this point in 1989, everyone who knew who Batman yeah. was. But you just say, hey, here's a guy. He's just doing it. He's That's an it. angry orphan. Yeah. He's doing it. He's being Batman. That's all you need to know yeah. at this point. Later on, we're going to do a flashback. We're going to get to his origin or why he does this when his parents get killed. But you don't really need a whole origin story for Batman, I, and that's something I appreciate yeah. about this movie. Batman Begins kind of did that. Batman Begins does it really well, but I don't think it was necessary. I think that no, was a it story wasn't necessary, but it was Chris Nolan decided to tell. But mm. he didn't have to do that. No. Not only that, remember. The Dark Knight made twice as much money as Batman Begins. So there's a significant amount of people that went to go see The Dark Knight not having seen Batman Begins. You think they didn't know what was going on? Do you think they were confused? Not at all. <laughs> like you no. can sit into bat into the Dark Knight without having seen batman begins yeah. and that's not a problem. Batman begins
1: did do it well though cuz it showed like his training and all that. It's very long Whereas, and it goes into yeah. and
0: it plays a lot into his psychology yep. which is something I'm going like, into. And like the whole time with the league of shadows and
1: stuff. Oh yeah. Whereas like most batman origins it's just like oh his parents died and that's he, it. He's, right, he becomes a rich vigilante.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, and so that's what we get here. Beats up the goons. There's a weird American Express product placement here. He's like, "Oh, <laughs> American Express card, nice." <laughs> um, there's some. There's a little bit of product placement in this movie. We'll get to that. But yeah, Batman shows up. They just start shooting him right off the bat. He gets shot a lot in this movie. I don't think yeah. he's very good at being Batman in this.
1: I don't know if some of that's just like the limitations of filmmaking at the time, though.
0: I think it's a combination because he's not supposed to be very good yet. I think it's... Okay. Still very early in his career? Well, in this movie, this is the beginning of his career. This is the first time people have oh, ever true. seen Oh, true. People him. are just now reporting yeah. on the Batman. So, I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence that okay. he's still being bad. I think that was intentional. So, he gets shot right away, but... You know, he's wearing armor, basically bulletproof in most places. His movements are very stiff also so, as Batman. <laughs> and I want to talk about this later about the Batsuit, but we can <laughs> g- just get into it. What do you think about this Batsuit? It's not terrible, but it's... Hey, do you need to see a picture? Or are you? Yeah, you let's remember? show a picture of it again, but... So in the episode description below, I'm going to put all relevant Batsuits so you can see. Yeah. This is not my favorite bat suit. No, but, it, but this is maybe my, like my third favorite. I, I do like the suit a lot. It's not a
1: bad suit. It does remind me of my childhood with like the yellow on the symbol.
0: Yes. Maybe now's a good time to get into the bat suit because the premise of this movie, if you haven't realized, if you don't know about this, is that it's a dark and serious. Uh. The producers kept on saying we want to do dark and serious Batman, dark and serious Batman. Because at the time, there hadn't been that yet. There had been Batman in the 40s who was not dark or serious, but that was closer to the tone than what happened to him later on in the 60s. Where he
1: becomes just campy. He gets kind of lame.
0: Campy, much more kid-friendly. He has a lot of different outfits. Yeah. They're not very colorful. gray anymore. They're mostly blue. And the thing about the blue, because we're going to talk about Batsuits a lot, because it's such a topic of discussion when you talk about Batman, is his suit. It's so iconic. And it varies so much. It's funny how, like, with the suits, it's always like, Batman, Spider-Man,
1: Iron Man, those are the three superheroes where you're like, oh, all the different suits they have.
0: Yeah, right, because most other characters either don't have that variation or people just don't care as much. Yeah. Because they're not as interesting, right? So in the 60s, it started getting very blue. And there's a couple reasons. One, because the blue shows better in 3D better depth you can add shadows to blue you can't add shadows to black because they didn't have that many colors back then
1: yeah there was only so much that they could do with the technology (laughs) with the
0: printers and and the budgets that they had because comic books were very 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 cheap right so for me i always understood it as even though batman looks like he's gray and blue on the page in story he's black He's like wearing, it's just like an art style. It, right. It's so that we can see him on the page out of the 16 colors that they have to use. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just part of the limitations at the time. But I always understood that he would be, he's a creature of the night. He only works at night. He, he hides in the shadows. He's not going to be wearing bright gray and bright blue. No, it doesn't make He's going to be wearing black. And so this is pretty much the first, one of the first times we see Batman in all black. I know fans really, really dug it. Fans loved this movie at the time. Well, it's like
1: looking at it. I like the suit. I don't like Michael Keaton's jaw. I guess something about <laughs> his
0: mouth just something me about out. his face
1: doesn't it, work it, with you. Yeah, yeah, so, something.
0: Yeah, so look at the suit below. We're going to show it. Um, and it changes every single movie. And in some movies, there's multiple suits. So that's that's why this is so fun, I think. But I really, really like this suit. Uh, again, I don't think it works now. Like, if you saw, like, Ben Affleck or Robert Pattinson wearing this, I'd be like, well, that's kind of weird. You know what I mean? It, w- it wouldn't fit. Yeah. But at the time, this is revolutionary, you know? Uh, he's wearing all black. He's got the yellow belt. And then he's got his symbol, which is yellow. If you look at the symbol, the logo specifically, the bat has like extra prongs on its tail. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. It's not that noticeable in the movie because he's moving around a lot. And you kind of expect it to be the regular symbol, but it's not the regular symbol. Apparently, this is because they didn't fully have the licensing for Batman while they were making this Batman movie. So the they symbol could, had to be a little bit off-brand. It had to be a little yeah, off-brand, and they couldn't do the exact bat symbol. But by the time the movie's released, obviously, they would have had all the licensing. I would hope so. Yeah. So the poster, if you see the poster for this movie, is beautiful. It's just the bat symbol. That's it. In some versions, it says Batman. In some versions, it doesn't. Because it, the symbol is so fucking iconic that you don't need to put Batman on the poster for people to know this is a Batman movie, right? So, I, I think that's super interesting with the tale. But at the same time, though, it's like, again, in story, this is his first outing. This is his first time at being Batman. So, yeah. things are going to change or whatever. Did you notice that the uh when he walks out, it's hand-drawn? There's no, a shot. I didn't notice that. There's a, there's a lot of interesting things going on here filmmaking wise where he's looking down. There's a shot where Batman turns around and it's from above so he's pretty small on the screen. He turns around and starts walking and you just see his shadow in his cape. That's all hand-drawn animation that they put over this image kind of like huh Space Jam like Space Jam style. Hand-drawn animation over real life. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's one quick Who shot of Rabbit. He, yeah, yeah. So he gets fine, he gets up, he ties up one of the goons, grabs him and he's like and this is one of the most iconic scenes of the movie. He grabs him <laughs> and he's like he goes, I'm Batman.
1: Well he doesn't like do like the growly voice, it's just kind of Michael Keaton talking. I'm Sorry, Batman. Sorry, that, that was
0: me, yeah. I'm Batman. Oh yeah, he's not like well, I'm
1: Batman. He's like, I'm Batman. I don't know.
0: Yeah, anyway I because feel
1: like the, the growl thing was yeah. a Christian Bale thing. Yeah, no, no,
0: for sure, for sure, for sure. And he's like, What are you? He's like, I'm Batman. Anyway, the point is to tell you, this is hey, this is his first kind of time out. No one really knows who he is yet, but there are rumors, right? Because then he starts showing up in the newspapers. Yeah. And I was we are talking about the Danny Elfman score. I think it's so good, too, you were saying. Yeah. But I also think it's very much married to these movies. Like, if I hear it like any other version. It does make me think of the
1: animated series, too, a little bit. Because didn't he do that one, too? Either he did it or the music was very much inspired by it. Oh, I
0: think he did it, actually. Hold on. Yeah, so they're the same. Uh, <laughs> but the TV show, I guess we'll talk about the TV show, but the TV show was created based on the hype of this movie. Yeah that, that green lit that TV show. And the T V show is not canon with this movie. They're not they don't take place no. in the same universe at all. But it was like feel, a dark Batman for right, kids. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think maybe that's out of necessity because like we said, this doesn't feel like a kid movie at all. No, not in the slightest. So I think they're like, Well, we need something for the kids, right? <laughs> In the Joss Whedon cut of Justice League, he got Danny Hoffman to score it, and so Danny Hoffman used this theme for Batman, yeah. and I fucking hate it. You hated it, and then, like, when I was watching
1: it, for me, that was one of the, like, the good parts of the movie, like, cause it felt like a nice callback. But
0: it, it's a different character, it's a different version of Batman, so I don't want to hear the same that theme. one. To you, that theme theme. is the Michael Keaton. It's Michael Keaton, exactly. So it's like saying, we just said it, wouldn't Ben Affleck look weird wearing Michael Keaton's bat suit? Yeah. So it sounds weird when you put him to Michael Keaton's theme song, you know?
1: It might just be dependent on whether you associate that with Michael Keaton Batman or if you associate that theme
0: with Batman in general. I mean, I hated it when they did it with Superman too. Like, Hans Zimmer wrote new themes for all these characters for new iterations. Mm -hmm. So don't start mixing it up, I think, but... So anyway, we meet Harvey Dent in this movie next, played by Billy D. Williams. Lando Calrissian. Lando Calrissian himself, not long after he did Return of the Jedi. Right. So he and the mayor are talking about... Catching... Catching his, this crime boss. Yeah. Right. And the mayor wants to have this big celebration. It's something of something the, the, Gotham City. The bicentennial. City, right. Of Gotham City. And so he wants to have this big celebration, but really most people don't want to go because it's it, Gotham sucks. <laughs> right, there's just too much fucking crime. You'll probably get um, killed if you attend. And so Billy D. Williams, Harvey Dent, is the new district attorney. And so he is working with the mayor on locking up some of these big mob bosses, right? Yeah, Batman fans should know who Harvey Dent is. Yeah, let's just save that for next week. He comes back in the next yeah, movie anyway. Yeah. His character comes back for the third movie, but we'll get to that. And then we also meet a cop named Lieutenant Eckhart... And I thought that was Harvey Bullock. I don't know about you. Do you know who Harvey Bullock is? I'm not remembering. Harvey Bullock is like Commissioner Gordon's one of like his best lieutenants. Okay. Um, but he is like, he's crooked. He's not crooked. Oh, no. he's not, okay. but he's shady. And it, oh, what okay. I like about Harvey, he's, he, his character is in Gotham. If you saw Gotham, I never watched Gotham. Okay. So his character is kind of an interesting gray area because he's not corrupt he's pretty straight edge, but he does break rules all the time.
1: Okay. You know,
0: but he's a good cop at the end of the day.
1: He's, and he's s- just kind of loose cannon.
0: Yeah. And so he's kind of like at this kind of big, lazy, wears a big hat and trench coat. Um, he's in the animated series, too. If you mm. go back and watch the animated series, he's like the big, angry cop. Okay. Who's always with Commissioner Gordon. I just always thought of him as big, angry cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at this character, Lieutenant Eckhart, he looks exactly like Bullock. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is Bullock, except apparently this guy's bad he's corrupt he's he's a dirty cop and so he's not bullock he's actually based on a character in a movie played by orson welles a movie called touch of evil so not something i'm familiar with It's old school uh, yeah there's a lot of <laughs> film one of those deep cuts. yeah there's a lot of film references in this we also meet alexander knox who is a reporter and he's trying to get information on batman so he's interviewing lieutenant eckhart right and lieutenant eckhart's not giving him anything. he's like hey like what about the story about the bat there's like no comment. Uh, yeah. People it's kind of like this open secret because at this point apparently people know about Batman. People have already seen him. There's yeah. eyewitnesses. Or not many, but, no, but you know, there's rumblings or whatever. Yeah. And nobody wants to talk about it. And this one reporter is trying to nail the story on Batman. So next we meet Vicky Vale. She comes
1: and asks Knox about the bat. And he's like, where'd you hear that from? Like, Yeah, so Vicki
0: Vale is played by Kim Basinger. Basinger? Basinger? I think it's Basinger. Basinger? Basinger? It's Kim Basinger. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so she's basically the damsel in distress. She's the hot girl in this movie, right? Yeah. And you can tell because she immediately gets sexually harassed the second she's on screen. She gets yeah. down to meet uh, Alexander Knox. It just immediately, like, hits on her. Yeah. Um, And she's like, oh, I'm this photographer, blah, 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 And she's like, oh, yeah, I know you. And he says, listen, if you want me to pose nude, you're going to need a long lens. And here's the thing. Which doesn't really make sense. He's implying he has a big dick. But... If you need a long lens, that means it can zoom in more, meaning the real implication is that he has a small dick, right? It's probably the joke that he's just dumb and... I mean, probably. This movie's smart. Like,
1: Tim Burton probably <laughs> Right, the joke is that it, he's yeah, dumb. Yeah.
0: He doesn't know that he said the wrong thing, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. That's... I mean, obviously, the, the the film director knows how the lenses work. So, <laughs> anyway. And then he, like, asks her on a date immediately after making this fucking comment. Which there's, there's nothing wrong with asking someone on a date, making that comment, and then doing it, that's ye- a little... Yeah. sketch so they're gonna work together to try to find batman we cut to access chemicals and i think i don't know why they just didn't call it ace chemicals because it's called ace chemicals in the i was thinking that too in the comics yeah and i feel like maybe it's, it's one of those things where they either they didn't probably the right. yeah <laughs> i mean they did because they're also making the batman movie but i don't know um ace chemical yeah there was a couple couple things like that but anyway so they talk about how they have to go to Access Chemicals. We are introduced to Jack Napier, Jack Nicholson. He is like this kind of mid-level mobster. The main boss's right-hand man, right? Yeah. And he's playing with a deck of cards. And apparently that's a callback to another movie. I think One Flies Over the Cuckoo's Nest where he's... That Jack Nicholson was in. Jack Nicholson is in. He won an Academy Award for that. And he's always kind of carrying a deck of cards. It's like his lucky deck. So it's not even like a... It's it's, it's not a plot related reason really. I think it's both because then he can pull out the Joker card and he looks at it for a minute. He's not Joker yet, right? But which he can look isn't at
1: interesting it. that this movie did. They kind of did like the Red Hood type origin
0: with Joker, but without the whole Red Hood part of it. They gave him an origin, but they it's completely original. Because well, it's nowhere near well, Red Hood.
1: Well, Red Hood, he falls in the chemicals. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I mean, right. The outcome was exactly the same. The origin of the Joker is that he falls in a chemicals. Yeah. What happens before that is largely untouched. Red Hood is one origin. This one. is This like, origin oh, let's make is original. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and the whole Jack Napier thing is completely original. Also. Oh yeah, the, they, this movie never been named Jack. Exactly. So, Grissom, that's the mob boss, his boss, basically sends him to access chemicals to handle some mobster shady shit. I never understood why they have business at a chemical plant because plot, burdo. <laughs> <laughs> but the real reason is because Jack is sleeping with like his girlfriend. Like they're both sleeping on the same girl. Yeah, Grissom kind of wants to get rid of him, and he puts him up to do this job, where basically he knows he's going to get it was, caught. It was a setup. Yeah, yeah, it's a setup. And so he sends him out, and as soon as Jack Nicholson leaves the room, the mob boss, of Grissom's like, "Your luck's about to change." And I'm like, "You're not. Who are you talking to? There's nobody there. He's talking to us. He, he just said <laughs> the quiet thing out loud."
1: <laughs> Jack should have been like, "Well, what the fuck are we doing at a chemical plant?"
0: They again, they're mobsters. We're they have the mob. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> We cut to Wayne Manor, where Bruce Wayne is holding a party. Yes. for I don't know why. Um, yeah, but just he's a got rich yeah, a rich guy thing, yeah, rich guy thing. Alex Knox, the reporter, and Vickyville got invitations. They yes. want to talk to Bruce Wayne for right. whatever and reason. And they talk
1: to Bruce Wayne
0: and say, hey, do you know where Bruce Wayne is? I find it kind of remarkable that nobody knows what Bruce Wayne looks like. I wrote that in my notes. I'm like, does nobody know what Bruce Wayne looks like? Because not only is he this super famous billionaire, I mean, who knows? Maybe in this version he's kind of reclusive. There's some billionaires but out there. they literally going, do you know who Bruce Wayne is? And because they're like... not all Elon Musk and like Bill Gates where we can recognize them. True. At, you know, in a crowd. Some billionaires are reclusives, and we don't... Anyway. It just seemed odd. It did seem very odd. Especially when you're in his house. You went, go to his party. You don't know what Bruce Wayne looks like. So they're both asking for Bruce Wayne. Meanwhile, Knox is trying to sneak in interviews with all the people there. Commissioner Gordon, uh, Harvey Dent. And no one's buying any it. Any cop that wants to talk to him. Any government official that wants to talk to him. No one's giving just him anything. screams yeah. desperation. Right. So... That's when we first see Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. Oh, he's at yeah. his party. And I love that there's a there's a running gag where he keeps on picking up like a champagne flute and just sitting down in random places. And Alfred just keeps on like picking up right <laughs> behind him. <laughs> this is Alfred. Like he's constantly cleaning up after Batman in many more ways than one, right? Yeah. So he gets to talk to Vicky Vale. And Vicky realizes that he's Bruce Wayne. And they get a moment alone in, like, this random kind of room with a bunch of, like, suits
1: of armor. They're totally, like, talking shit about Bruce Wayne, too, while he's standing right behind They don't know
0: it's him. Again, why don't... They're like, what what kind of weirdo gets a bunch of armor? Yeah, and they're reporters. Why don't you know what Bruce Wayne looks like? (laughs) There's this cool room with the suits of armor, and then they're just talking shit, like, what weirdo collects this? And I think that's really good uh, symbolism, and there's good imagery. Like, they're in a room full of suits of armor, and it's Batman. You know what I
1: mean? And then um, they're like, oh, where do you think this suit's from? And Bruce, like, behind him just says, oh, that's from Japan.
0: And he's like, how do you know that? Bought it in Japan. I bought it in Japan. (laughs) Because (laughs) I'm Bruce Wayne, you fuck. That was actually a good scene. Uh, I really like the Knox guy, the reporter. And I was telling you this. I had a Mandela effect moment because I was like, oh, this guy. I know him from all the other things he's done. And then I realized I don't know anything else he's been in. And then I looked it up, and I don't, I didn't, I haven't seen anything else that he's in. Uh, his name is Robert Wool. I did maybe an hour's worth of research looking this guy up to see what the fuck I know him from. About to look him up, and I, th- I think I just made it up. Like I had like a full on Mandela effect. Like there's a parallel universe where he's in a bunch of stuff that I've seen because I could not find a single thing I thought was familiar. He does have a familiar face, I, and the way he talks, his voice. I'm like, this guy's in something. He's in Home Alone. He's in Ghostbusters. He's in. He's not in any of those things. He's not in anything I've ever seen before. <laughs> so I don't know. I could fucking swear. Maybe seen, he's in Good Burger. He, he's in it for a second. I couldn't find the clip online. That might be what I recognize him from. Really? And yeah. I tried looking for that scene. I couldn't find. It. I mean, he I have played Alexander
1: Knox in Supergirl.
0: Yeah, so he reprises his role in what? in last year what the crossover about? crisis on Infinite Earth. Yep, the crisis crossover. Yep. Wow. So I didn't see that. Did I didn't see, see that? that either. No, no I, I kind of that. fell off those shows. Yeah, I fell off them almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> for that reason, I kind of want to go back, and I mean for other reasons too. But I want to watch
1: those. I want to at least see that crossover because they got like the people from Smallville too. Kevin
0: Conroy. They got a bunch of people yeah. here. Brandon Ralph. Yeah, so anyway, Alexander Knox, this guy, he says to him, like, oh, he can I have a grant. And then later on, he's like, oh, yeah, Alfred, get this guy a grant. <laughs> yeah. For, like, his, uh, I don't know, research or something. <laughs> Meanwhile, Commissioner Gordon is called off by a cop, which, I don't know if you noticed, that guy looks just like Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael B. Jordan cop, time traveler, uh, says to him, like, hey, Axis Chemicals is getting hit up by Grissom's men. And he's like... Like oh, why didn't we know about this? Who, you know, what who's cop in is what, who's, yeah, what cop is who's in charge of this? And they say, "Oh, it's Eckhart, that lieutenant that we knew was crooked. But it's like, oh you know. Jesus Christ. And so it seems like Commissioner Gordon knows that Eckhart is crooked, Yeah, because he was like distressed that that
1: was the cop responding to it. Like he wasn't surprised at all, also. Yeah. so
0: they leave. Alfred comes up, interrupts bruce Wayne and And he's like, you should know that Commissioner Gordon left pretty quickly. If you know what I mean, nudge nudge. <laughs> and he's like, oh, hey, I gotta go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like Bruce Wayne, right? So he goes into the cave, whatever. Back at Access Chemicals, they're trashing the place. Something I love about all For the some bad guys—they're trashing the place. I don't. I don't remember. It's mob shit. Uh, something I love about the mobsters in this is that they're all wearing like fedoras from like the twenties, fedoras
1: and pinstripe suits. Yeah,
0: while they're doing a job. Yeah. <laughs> because Gotham City and a lot of different iterations of Batman is supposed to be timeless. It's like this weird, timeless <laughs> place where things from all eras coexist, you know? Yeah. It's like there's old cars and old phones and, and the buildings are all gothic or they're yeah, they have, like gargoyles on them. Yeah. And stuff. Well, they're either gothic or they're Art Deco, which is like a 50s style okay. with very sleek lines. Think of like, uh, like diners or mm-hmm. like, uh, Epcot you know like like a like a futurist type look yeah it's like rounded edges and straight lines and a lot of like what they thought the
1: future was gonna look like yeah it's called
0: art deco it's from the 50s it's really cool honestly um like a lot of like miami looks like that batman the anime series was a lot of art deco too But anyway, so I like that the the villains are in these kind of, like, gangster outfits from, like, the 20s and 30s. But the movie is set in the 80s, but everything just kind of feels timeless, you know? They kind
1: of look ridiculous, though, going around a chemical plant wearing, like, suits. I like the
0: hats, though. The hats are cool. (laughs) So that gets broken up by the cops. And Commissioner Gordon's, like, not surprised to see Eckhart at all. I'm like, don't you know he's crooked? Like, you yeah. know he's crooked. And Eckhart was there to kill Jack. Oh, right. Because, again, he's also paid by yeah. the same guy, Grissom. His job was to kill Jack Napier, It uh, was
1: Jack Nicholson. Yeah. But then when Commissioner Gordon shows up, he's like, nobody shoot at Jack. Like, if you do, you're going to answer to me. Yeah,
0: because they want to arrest him. Yeah. So that they can that's get like Grissom. The, that's, that's, their that's their whole the, thing. That's their goal, right. Yeah. And so... There's a lot of different parties here. There's a shootout. There's actually a lot
1: going on. Yeah.
0: Jack Nicholson, Jack Napier, he kind of runs off on his own. Eckhart is kind of like trying to sneak away. And then Batman shows up on top of this, right? And none of these people have seen Batman yet. So Jack starts running away. He starts fucking destroying the place. Chemicals are going everywhere. Yeah, he's... he's like pulling lines he's... and flipping switches. Well, and... and also,
1: <laughs> they're having a shootout in a chemical plant. Some
0: of these are probably flammable, obviously, (laughs) but I love how they're all colored like green and purple and like a lot of green and purple, obviously, because those are Joker's colors in a movie that's mostly just dark and black. Right. So Batman corners him. They're on like a railing. Jack shoots him. He's always getting shot, but this time he deflects it with his gauntlet in true Wonder Woman fashion, <laughs> yeah. right? He just kind of. I immediately ba-ching. thought of Wonder Woman. Yeah. When he did that. that? Who knows? I might have been a Wonder Woman reference. It probably is. So one of those ricochets and hits Jack in the fucking face. Yeah, he gets shot in the face, basically. and I'm like, "Holy shit!" There's a lot of blood too. I'm like, "This is." This is pretty good. He gets shot, and he falls over the rail, but Batman catches him. Because, again, Batman doesn't want anyone to die, really, sort of. He actually kills a ton of people in this movie. (laughs) But he he tries to save him, but ends up dropping him. Uh, Jack falls on the bat of chemicals.
1: And it's assumed that he's
0: dead. Obviously, but we all know he's about to become the Joker, right? So, yeah, cut back to whatever, the newspaper place. And Knox and Vicki Vale are there, and she says she has a date with Bruce Wayne, you said, right? Yeah. And, and I don't he's remember like, what. oh,
1: he's like a rich dick, basically. He's like, like oh, that guy's a stiff. He's like, you should like, go blah, out with me. Yeah,
0: he keeps on hitting on her. <laughs> so they have a date back in <laughs> Wayne this, Manor. They're which on has, this long-ass table. <laughs> yeah, so they're in his dining room. They're in a very long table. They're sitting on opposite ends and it's super awkward. And she's like, do you usually eat in this room? And he's like, I'm not sure I've ever even been in this room. (laughs) And so they get up, they go finish their food in the pantry with Alfred and they hang out with him for a bit. What do you think about Alfred in this? Alfred's pretty
1: cool. I like him. He's
0: honestly kind of what I picture Alfred to be. So yeah, Michael Goff, British actor, pretty old already at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. He is the only through line through all of these movies. He's offered all four of them, even though the rest of the cast changes, the director changes. How do we... Do they ever explain how Harvey Dent becomes white? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I guess we'll get to that. I... Like, I really like this Alfred, but at the same time, I just feel like he's just a servant. He's not really a three-dimensional character. And I like the versions of Alfred where he's more kind of like... Involved. I mean, he's more involved. He's more three-dimensional. He's more kind of giving Batman shit, you know. <laughs> where this one, he's just kind of like picking up after Batman all the time. They have like a nice little moment here, like while he's telling like the
1: story about like Bruce as a kid, though.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And and, it does And kind They're of... just
1: kind of like shooting the shit with him,
0: it seems like. Yeah. The weird place to have a day is your house. <laughs> like, that's a, a manor. That's a booty call, right? But <laughs> she's pretty drunk, she even says. She kind of trips. And they end up sleeping together. Damn. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then weird thing, she wakes up and sees him, like, on one of those, like, hang upside down, do sit-up machines. Yeah. Like a bat. She, like, falls back asleep. Like, <laughs> she's like, huh, oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really go anywhere. I was just there for kind of the illusion or whatever. But the next morning, he's like, oh, I've got shit to do.
1: Yeah, sorry i can't they're, see. They're you like for they're a few setting days. like a
0: date or whatever and she yeah she's like oh can can i see you whenever and he's like oh i have an important meeting and so she's like okay you'll be out of town whatever i'll see you when you get back on her way out she says bye to alfred she's like oh like you know have fun on your trip and he's like we're not going on a trip <laughs> <laughs> yeah alfred immediately outs- him, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like first of all you're smarter than this Alfred you're supposed to be covering his lies <laughs> all the time Alfred's
1: like what the fuck are you
0: talking about like, are you just gonna tell her he's Batman while you're at it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and she's like well that's weird
0: yeah so she gets the feeling that it is like a weird one night stand and so she's she, na- he's she's not, not interested started, she starts in her like stalking him well I mean again she's a photographer a journalist yeah Meanwhile, Knox is more interested in getting more on Batman, not Bruce Wayne. But she's like, I want to learn more about Bruce Wayne. Because he's hot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she walks away and he's like, I don't want Bruce Wayne. I want Batman. <laughs> There's all these like little bits where like, how has no one figured this out yet, you know? Cut back to Jack Napier. He's turned into the Joker because he's been in the Vada chemicals, right? You know, if you fall in bleach, you're probably, probably going to die. It depends on how fast you get out, if you swallow any of it. Which, if you fall into it, like, like drowning like, is bad enough. If you drown in bleach, you're extra
1: fa- dead, I guess. Falling into any liquid, like some of it's going to get inside of you.
0: Yeah, sure. Anyway, we see him getting surgery by some like back alley surgeon, and he's like, Look, these are the tools I got. Like, I'm sorry. Those tools are uh, not too. Little Shop of Horrors. Really? Yeah. It's like the same exact tools and the same layout and everything. That the dentist uses? Yep. 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 <laughs> So we don't see his face then, and we see it later when he goes back to uh, Grissom's, not lair, it's like his, his lair. House, yeah, <laughs> and he basically is like...
1: He starts uh, shooting at him, all playful-like.
0: Yeah, you know, he's being a Joker. Him being a Joker. Yeah. Because right, he's like, don't call me Jack anymore, I'm the Joker now. Shoots him a bunch, sits in his seat, and then he says the line that we referenced before in thick ass Way they get a load of me. Yeah, he's just talking a lot to himself. Again, it feels like anyone sitting at that desk has to just say <laughs> their plan out loud Way they for the get audience. A load of me. We thought that was a reference to this, which it was, but that in and of itself is a reference to another movie. Fuck, I had it written down. Hold what on. What is that a reference to? It's a line from Going South. <laughs> Shit, of course. It's a, it's a reference to another Jack Nicholson movie. Actually, Jack Nicholson directed this movie. Oh. Weird. And, and that's where that's from. So, but now it's kind of like, that's the Joker it's, line now. Yeah. But. yeah. And if you Google it, you'll just get Joker. Hey, exactly. So let's speed this up a little bit. So now that Grissom's dead, like another mob boss. Oh, took a spot. Took over something like one of his businesses, and he and he makes a big speech on top of the city hall steps, which is the only exterior set in this whole movie. <laughs> uh, one thing about this movie, this is a movie that feels like it's all shot on a soundstage. Like you, can, it is. You can tell, though. Yeah, it's shot in Pinewood Studios in London. <laughs> and to be fair, that's where they shot Star Wars. True. But so, this other mobster is basically taking questions from the press. Bruce Wayne's very interested because he's Batman. Yeah. Vicky Vale's following Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So, they're at this kind of press conference and Junker shows up and shoots that mob boss. <laughs> In front of everyone. In front of everybody. And none of the cops do a damn thing. They stand there and watch. I think they're just confused because they're like, well, who do we work for now? Like, we work for these guys because we're all fucking corrupt cops, you know? And Bruce Wayne, it's funny because he's, again, he's Batman. He kind of forgets for a moment that he's not. He's like kind of walking up he's, to him as they're shooting. And yeah. he's like, what the hell? Because, and then all these other Joker goons show up and they're all clown based. Like they have jackets. It, they look like mimes. And there's like, a, well, there's a couple mimes yeah. that are also working for him. Where'd you get all these people so quickly? <laughs> like, where'd you get <laughs> these jackets made? Where'd you get the mime? Uh, where are you getting all these resources Is so it quickly? implied that he also treated them all with the chemicals too? Because some of them act no, like weird. I don't think so. No, they just follow him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he makes a whole big thing, shoots a bunch of people, kind of declares himself as a Joker, right? This is like his big public moment. Right. So, kind of the next important thing we see are the news shows. They're talking about murders with creepy smiles. So, like, two models that died with, like, big, big smiles on their faces. Like, incredibly creepy looking. Yeah. And as it's happening, one of the reporters starts laughing maniacally, uncontrollably. And then dies. And she dies with a big smile on her face. Uh, And then the Joker takes over the airwaves. And then you
1: find out that he's been tampering with things that you would buy, like makeup, Beauty shampoo, supplies, yeah. Putting chemicals in it, yeah. obviously. Which is a really scary thought. This is a very Joker thing
0: to do. Because he kills randomly. He's a psycho. Yeah. Right? He, he doesn't care. Exactly. Product tampering is fucking scary. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's almost like an infomercial type yeah, thing. Yeah, it's pretty good, honestly. Yeah, it's very Joker. Uh, oh, it's super on brand for Joker. Um, there's a lot of things that this movie nails about the Joker. So the next time we see the, the news anchors, they're all, like, not wearing makeup. Their hair is all fucked up. They look ugly. There's a lot of subtle humor in this. Yes. Yeah, so I thought that was hilarious. That's really funny. Like, one of them has, like, two huge pimples. They just <laughs> look miserable. Like, no one's shampooing anymore. No. So Bruce Wayne's doing his own detective work, and he gets this file on Jack Napier, and he sees that he's, like, been working for moms his whole life. But he's also a chemist. But he's also a chemist. And an artist. It was like the two things that he studied in university or whatever. Yeah, art and chemistry. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's just kind of to explain. Why he's able to why, do all this. Yeah, why he's good at this. So... Vicky Vale leaves a message with Alfred is like hey like I'm gonna be late to the meeting to the at mu- the museum yeah cause she thinks that Bruce Wayne wants to look over his portfolio yeah. but really the Joker invited her cause he saw pictures he of saw, her oh and he goes like oh stop the presses who is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> if anything it's cool that the Joker it's fine that the Joker is being all like honka honka you know he's yeah. the Joker he's the bad guy you know yeah but anyway uh, and then Bruce is like I didn't have a meeting with her right so he puts that together really quickly cause he's supposed to be the world Great as a detective, so he he gets None ready the to go. Movies ever really highlight his detective work? Yeah, he's pretty smart in this. I think smarter than the average yeah. man. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, she's at the museum, and Joker and his goons show up, and this scene is super famous. But this, so one of the goons has a big stereo, and he starts playing a it's Prince a boom song. Box. Yeah, it's a big right. It's a big boombox from 1989, <laughs> and he starts playing like a Prince song, and they are all start vandalizing. Yeah, like all the artwork. I wasn't like super into the scene.
1: It seemed, it felt on brand for Joker, but for this movie, the tone of it just seemed
0: odd. Okay. So <laughs> I think, and I'm not positive, but I think there was like some contractual deal with Prince because <laughs> the movie credits him right off, like from the beginning, like and the credits, it says like score by Danny Elfman, all songs performed and written by Prince. And, that's like, it's weird odd. that that's, yeah, it's weird that that's, like, in the credits of a movie. So, they, like, they had to include something like this. There are two Prince songs in this movie that they play for at least a minute each. Yeah, it, it almost felt like they played the whole song. Yeah. yeah, it's, like, heavy product placement, basically, mm-hmm. is what this feels like. And so this whole scene, there's very little talking in it. They're just vandalizing all the artwork to this Prince song so that you can hear the whole song. It's like a music video. It kind of is. Yeah. And this whole thing, by the way, is a reference to a couple things. But one, in the 1966 show, the Batman show, there's Cesar Romero's Joker does this where he vandalizes artwork. And he kind of like, quote unquote, improves it by like Uh, Jokerizing it, you know? Yeah. One of them, he literally writes Joker was here. Yeah. Stupid shit like that. I mean, that's what the Joker's all about. Yeah. So he works his way up to Vicky Vale. She had gotten a box that says, put this on. And it's like a gas mask. Yeah. And then he gasses the place. He gasses the place. Kills everyone, I was. Yeah, everyone's dead. Yeah. A mass murderer. This was before they got in. And so by the time he gets up there, he's like, oh, you can take that off. There's a part here. He had just walked by like George Washington. Yeah. And he says, oh, you know, $1 bill or whatever. And then keeps going. And then he's talking to her. He's supposed to be, like, this date or whatever. They set up, like, these candles and stuff, and the music changes. He has that ridiculous lighter. Oh, yeah. He's got the lighter that, like, shoots, like... It's like a flamethrower lighter. I, that's cool. I want one of those. He lights all three candles at once. But he kind of, like, gives her a proposition. He wants her to be his new, like, boo thing, right? but he says he wants to do art because he's all physically scarred. You know, he's got his smile or whatever. His last girlfriend, it was like the mom boss's girlfriend. She's there. and She's very like confused and he's fucked with her face a bunch. To the point where she's like wearing a mask now. Yeah. And so she's been deformed and he's like, oh, you know, that's a rough sketch, but you're going to be my next whatever. Like I'm going to fuck with your face and make you beautiful just like me. Like I'm trying to do artwork. But there's a line there that she goes like, what's your goal? Like, what do you want? And he goes, my face on the one dollar bill and he's only saying that because he literally just saw george washington a second ago it's the portrait from the one dollar bill that's super joker that he's making shit up on the spot you know he's completely random i want my face on a one dollar bill okay yeah that doesn't make any sense he's just saying that because he saw it a second ago you know so he tries to hit her face with acid but (laughs) right at that moment who shows up but batman da, 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 da. yeah he crashes through the roof he's i think he's supposed to be gliding with his wings but you can see the rope you see the string the cable his holding wing him. he kind of lands like
1: very slowly and after he lands his wings are still like open for a little bit yeah
0: look the effects aren't there you can have to pretend a little bit right you have
1: to <laughs> yeah there's a kind of way of all that disbelief. All. yeah
0: it's 1989 too you got to give him credit where it's due mm-hmm. but just pretend that cable's not there. they should have just got rid of it in post i don't know why they didn't so he gets there, he grabs Vicky Vale, he does another cable trick, kind of shoots, and he ziplines down to the front yeah. door. And then there's like a chase scene after this. Yeah, well, that's when Joker goes, where does he get those wonderful toys? It's just another kind of really good Joker line, I think. Um, and then we see the Batmobile. Yeah, there's that chase scene yeah. saying. What do you think about the Batmobile? I like it. It looks like the classic Batmobile. It's sort of based on a high-speed car. Okay. Yeah. I think it's perfect for this movie. It's very stylistic. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's kind of art deco. It fits the same kind of motifs that we see all around Gotham City with. It's fantastic in that sense. I don't believe that that car can even drive. Like, (laughs) I don't buy that for a minute. It's very long. It's so long. I see it turning corners, but I don't believe it. I feel like they did that at like five miles an hour and then sped it up. The design isn't practical. No, not at all. It is pretty. And yeah, it's cool. And even in one scene, he shoots a grappling hook off one side, hooks it to a post so he can turn a corner. I'm like, okay, well, your car fucking sucks, dude, if you have to do that every time. Runs away. uh, They jump out of the car. And then they're just running like in a crowd, not very Batman of you, I think, yeah, but he says to his car, he goes he's like a uh, sentry motor, and like this armor plating grows all over the car, which I thought was super cool, that was a uh, stop motion, if you couldn't tell, yeah, no you can tell yeah, it's super stop motiony, but it looks it looks fine, it's a very looks good. Tim Burton thing to yeah go into the yeah. So they kind of run into an alley and I'm like, why? You're in the car. You could have just drove it away. I think I have written down like, what's with Gotham City and alleys? But like, why get out of the car? You know? (laughs) gets out of the car. They get cornered in the alley, obviously. But like, are they muggers or were they Joker's men? It's Joker's people or whatever. He says to her, and Vicky Vale is like this very skinny woman or whatever. She's like, how much do you weigh? She's like, what did she say? Like, 108, 115 or something like that. I think for her, it's not important. So, he hooks her up to, like, his, like, battering. And they're flying up. And he's like, hold on to this. And he flies off. He kind of just falls down. <laughs> yeah. He glides down or whatever. <laughs> he doesn't keeps... even glide. He, like, hits. Oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> he fights off all the other bad guys. And then comes back and get her. But then he has to throw in the joke. He's like, 108. You don't wait 108. I'm like, why... Like seriously? Like how what bad a, what a dick. Like how bad do we have to be to this character in this movie? She's just like, we gotta throw in like a weight joke in this on on top. <laughs> So they get back in the Batmobile and he takes her back to the Batcave. And I'm like, why? And she's like staring at
1: him while he's driving and he gives her like a weird, he like glances at her and looks back at the room. Y'all just had
0: sex like two days ago. How do you not recognize this guy? Yeah, look at that jawline. It's Michael Keaton. A lot of his face is showing. Surely you recognize him. And the movie at least acknowledges that because she is kind of like, Do I know this guy? And he's, like, kind of looking away, staying in the shadow. He takes her up to the Bat Cave, and he does the same thing. He kind of stays in the shadow, and she kind of gets close, and he kind of backs off or whatever. Doesn't he, like, knock her out? Yeah. So (laughs) he gives her evidence to take back, and she's like, okay, cool. She was taking pictures of him, too, as Batman. Yeah. He's like, oh, I need one more thing. And then, like, you just see him kind of move his fist And I'm like, did he punch her? But he, I think he just drugged her. Just drugged her. He just drugged her. No big deal. Because she wakes up back in her apartment and she grabs like her boob and she's like, damn, like he took the film. Yeah. And that's what he went for. And she she
1: immediately knew to like look for it too
0: when she woke up. I'm like, dude, why don't you just drive her straight back to her apartment? Why do you have to take her to the back Game? (laughs) Knock her out and then drive her back. Right. Or don't even knock her out. Just drive her to her apartment. She doesn't know who you are. She doesn't know where you live. He had to get the picture somehow. (sighs) Okay, but my point is, she went to your mansion for the party then she went back for the date she spent the night there and then drove home supposedly yeah right so she fucking knows where you live and then you take her there in your batmobile what are the odds that yeah, she I wonder
1: th- if she's like oh these roads look familiar yeah
0: <laughs> are she gonna be like hey this is pretty close to wayne manor like what are the hmm you know you uh, live underneath th- it or something yeah i thought that was weird like you didn't have to take her there literally for any reason that was super That's because he took her there and then immediately knocked her out and then takes back to apartment exactly so not batman of you but it was stupid is what it was yeah there are some really good matte paintings there that look like it's a big big bat cave but it's like just a painting that they kind of put the film on top of that's kind of cool yeah that's how they did a lot of star wars too so, the evidence that he gives her is how he figured out the combinations of, like, shampoo, toothpaste that will kill people. Because it's not one product, it's certain combinations because of certain products. Because he's a product. chemist,
1: and obviously he... Because
0: Joker was, like, a yeah. chemist, exactly. But Batman, being the detective, he figured all that out. And again, there's some good detective work in here for Batman to do. They don't show him actually doing it, though. Yeah, it's on the computer and blah, 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 Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and so, she takes that to the newspaper, that gets reported, and people find out. How to kind of avoid, you know, dying. <laughs> Alfred's like, you know, like, that Vicki Vale, she's really something special. Like, maybe you should keep uh seeing her and went out with her or whatever. I guess that convinces Bruce Wayne to, like, declare his love for this girl that he just met. and but tell her that better apartment? Yeah, and tell her that he's Batman. So he shows up at her apartment. First of all, I know she's, like, a published, like, photographer, but this apartment is amazing. Yeah. And this penthouse apartment is humongous. And what's weird is, like, in the movie, they know it's amazing, too, because everyone says, everyone makes a Everyone's comment. Everyone's like, whoa. Everyone walks in is like, nice apartment, lots of space. <laughs> and so Bruce Wayne walks in, he says that very line, and they're talking whatever, and he's like, listen, like, I have something to tell you, blah blah blah. And she's like, Oh, you're married He's like, No, just like shut the fuck up for a minute. He literally tells her to shut up and pushes her down on the super romantic trying to talk to you. Yeah, super romantic bro. And so he's trying to come clean about being Batman, even though they barely know each other. But I guess he's in love. And then someone Is that else. What you do the people you love? Yeah, exactly. So someone else knocks on the door, and it's the fucking Joker. He shows up to declare his love. Yeah, because he's also kind of like infatuated with uh, Vicky Vale, and uh. Bruce Wayne's in an awkward spot because he's not Batman; he's Bruce Wayne right now. Joker walks in. He's like, "Oh, nice apartment, lots of space." <laughs> it's like a running gag. Yeah, <laughs> they have a bit of a conversation. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne like hides though when Joker first comes in. He hides for a second. I think he's trying to figure out what to do. I couldn't he's really like get a, it. Fuck. Grabs he, that tray. Yeah, he gets kind of so, he gets kind of caught, like they see him, and they had kind of, I guess he tries to, I don't know, i talk him as Bruce Wayne or whatever. They they kind of talk. He tells him a story. I didn't get that at all. I don't know where he was going with that story. <laughs> it was weird. It was a weird story. Just so that at the end, he can grab, like, uh, a fireplace poker. That's when he says, this is like a famous line in this movie, and he says, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And then he, like, smashes, like, some glass. He smashes, like, a vase, which is not necessary, but I guess and joker, joker. Shoots him. Well, yeah, Joker's like I've got ten henchmen here, and we all have guns. Like, what are you gonna do with that poker or whatever? So he just pulls out his gun, and that's when he first says the line, "Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight?" Bruce Wayne's is is like, like, "Huh? What? What'd you just say?" And he's like, "Oh, I just always say it to my victims right before I fucking shoot them <laughs> because plot." And then shoots him, and he falls down. And then Vicky Vale's like, "Oh no, what the fuck?" <laughs> joker leaves. Why did he leave? He uh, gave her a package. He came to deliver a package. Yeah, he delivered a package. And he, I don't know. He's just trying to hit on her. He's what being a, very Joker. This is such a weird scene. It is a little bit weird. Yeah. The lines kind of, I just feel like they're trying to squeeze in too many references. Like, it feels references like Tim and... Burton in like not the best way. Like This one scene was very awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Joker leaves. She looks back at Bruce Wayne and he's gone. No idea you where know, he the went. You typical Batman thing. Very, okay. But again, you're, you're being Bruce Wayne right now. So maybe be a little less suspicious, you know, and she finds like a silver platter. How rich is she? By the way, she has like all this like silverware. Anyway, silver platter with a bullet in it. I had to watch that scene twice because I rewind. I was like, bullshit. There's no way he grabbed that in time. I watched it. He doesn't grab anything. He literally gets shot.
1: I think he grabbed it
0: earlier and like
1: had it under his vest. Mm -hmm. No, because he was like holding it earlier. He was looking at it at the very least. Before this sh- scene? It was while he was still, like, hiding. Oh, I didn't see that. So
0: you think he put it under his shirt? I think he put it under his shirt. Okay. Because I watched the scene, and I'm like, he doesn't do a whole, like, ching or anything. Like, he just falls on the floor. Yeah. And I'm like, he didn't, and you see both of his hands are in the air. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was part of his plan. It, I don't know. It, it, I was a, it was just a weird scene. And I, I even went back to check it again. Anyway, she's like, what the fuck? He's gone, too. I don't know. I don't know what to think <laughs> about she's At least he's anymore. not dead. <laughs> yeah. And then she like she opens
1: the gift and it was like a like a hand that popped out or, or it was flowers it was that flowers popped out and a dead hand and it scared weird, her yeah it's weird, not a good gift
0: weird bit but it's very Joker yeah, yeah. so she goes back to uh, Knox the reporter and he finds uh, what she wanted to know about Bruce Wayne that he survived his parents' murder mm-hmm. and then we do the flashback which first time we had seen this. But now, in movies and fucking TV, we've seen this goddamn scene a million times. <laughs> and I'm so sick of it. With the
1: pearls flying in yeah,
0: the air. I, In my opinion, the, the BVS version is the best one. This one's fine. The Joker one is the worst. The one from the Joker. Oh. That one's just so bad. <laughs> it's And it's unnecessary. It's not needed in the movie. No. Not but at all. It, it's the scene where so... um They're going down the alley. Yeah. So when Bruce Wayne is a kid, this is a flashback, when Bruce Wayne is a kid, his parents and him go to see a movie and it's too scary they go to see like zorro and it's too yeah. scary for bruce so he wants to leave they leave they walk down an alley for whatever reason instead of just getting in the isn't the alley cab. called like crime alley too so crime alley in different versions of batman is where uh his parents get killed but it's also like not specifically that alley it's more of kind of like a neighborhood where just crime is really bad and so anyway just muggers show up kill his parents steal the pearls off his mom yeah the mugger is pointing a gun to Bruce, the kid, and he says, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? And he shows his face, and it's an actor who sort of looks like a young Jack Nicholson, but sort of doesn't look like him. I don't know well, what you thought about that. didn't have de-aging technology. Exactly. Yet, so so he, his eyes and his eyebrows were very Jack Nicholson, but the rest of them wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Jack Nicholson. Killed his parents. The Joker killed his parents as like a young kind of gangster Which or whatever. Which a little convenient. It's yeah, it's too pluck convenient, but and this that's not something that happens in any other version of Batman. No. Joker's never been responsible for it's usually either just a thug or it's Joe Chill, who's also just a thug. And that's kind of the point is that it's not like this big crime. It's just just a random crime. It's just a random dude who killed his parents. So Batman can't get his revenge off one dude. He has to get his revenge off crime in general and injustices. Which kinda makes him psycho yeah which is i guess
1: this movie's way of giving batman either some history with the villain or like reason to want
0: to kill the villain i guess i think it's just there for like some sort of poetic justice you know so i think the next thing we see alfred just shows up to the Batcave with vicky vale like right there and i'm like what the fuck just happened Because Bruce Wayne never quite decided to reveal himself as Batman to Vicky. He went there with those intentions, but it didn't happen. And did Alfred just make that decision for him? Kind of fucked up, Alfred. Or did Vicky show up and he's like, hey, while you're here, just come with me. We're going to go down to the Batcave. Yeah, I already told you we're not going on a trip, so. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I thought that was really weird. And so... I guess the decision was made for him, and they're talking, whatever, and they straight up say that they are like in love. You've had three scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Three scenes, one date. Yeah, you guys barely know each other. (laughs) Yeah, they just throw the word love around a lot. So she knows that that's Batman now. And then the Joker hijacks the airwaves again, and he says something about the bicentennial and that he's going to be there and he's going to give out $20 million in cash to get a bunch of people to show up. Yes, yeah. So yeah. like show up, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, how dude, stupid are people? Like, are you? This dude really just gonna... killed so
1: many people. Yeah, like,
0: y'all were just scared of, of being killed by him through the shampoo and stuff. But he says he's gonna throw out a couple hundred dollar bills and you're gonna show up. Because, I mean, again, he throws twenty million dollars. And I thought about that, I, so I was like, would I go? I couldn't. I'm like, no, I wouldn't go. Hell no. Especially right after this guy had murdered so many people. But <laughs> people are excited. They show up. He shows up with his fucking parade flow and his balloon. And he's playing another Prince song that goes on for a good minute. And there's no other lines like they're they're not no, talking. This just was dancing. another scene where I just wasn't a fan of. It's definitely like this prince collaboration, right? Yeah. So Batman's thing is right now is that he wants to go blow up the chemical plant axis. because he's like that's where he's making chemicals. I'm just going to go there, and blow it up. He's driving his Batmobile, pops a bunch couple machine guns out of the Batmobile, <laughs> and blows through the door, goes in. I think he drops off a couple bombs and then drives away and the whole place blows up, yeah, right? it's real was, fucked up here. There's people in there, too. Yeah. And so here's the thing. Okay, let's fast forward, like, 20 years. Batman versus Superman comes out. Everyone has a big problem with the Batmobile having machine guns on it. There's machine guns on this Batmobile. And then he killed, like, two people in that movie. In this movie, he kills, like, 20, 30 people. Because there's a bunch of goons in there that are shooting at him, shooting at the Batmobile. And he just drives away and then the whole fucking place blows up. Right? And it's like this huge explosion on screen. The camera stays there for a minute. Like, It's a tough look for Batman. Yeah. And then he switches to the Batwing. Batwing's badass, by the way. Yeah. Steals the balloons. Yeah. So Joker is going down with his balloons. People are, like, congregating on him because he's throwing money. They're playing that Prince song again for way too long. (laughs) And he, like, sets off the balloons. And the balloons start spewing out the same gas. And everyone starts fucking dying, right? Yeah. Um, Vicky Vale is there for whatever reason. She recognizes the Jeez, guy. She's it, like, "Oh just no!" Stay home. <laughs> yeah, seriously. They they play her as damsels distress way too much in this movie. <laughs> so Batman's in his Batwing, and he's like, "Oh fuck!" Like I'm going to get those balloons. So, he, he flies a Batwing. The Batwing is like, a pair of, like, scissors or something on the front. He uses the scissors to grab them? Yeah. They're, like, prongs. And he grabs all the balloons. He takes them out into the, the air. Joker's and... like,
1: he stole my balloons! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, this whole time, Joker has, like, a right-hand man named Bob. And Bob seems to be, like, a really good right-hand man, yeah, too. he's like, Bob, gun. <laughs> Bob gives him the gun, and he just fucking kills him. Right there. I'm like, oh, Bob. Poor guy. <laughs> like... Why'd you shoot him? You did his job. why did like, you shoot the, the guy the next job. to yeah. But again, that's very Joker, right? Yeah. So he releases all the balloons. That's when he does that cool moon shot that is often replicated. Yeah. So the Batwing flies up into the air, straight up, and it kind of stops. It is covered by the silhouette of the moon, and it creates the bat symbol, uh, which is pretty neat. <laughs> they did that in a bunch of stuff. They did it in Spider-Man Homecoming when he's the... Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. And he jumps up when he's a, uh, what's his name? Night monkey? No, no, no. The fucking. Oh, homecoming. He's a vulture. Vulture. He With a vulture suit, he flies up to the moon and he makes like like a vulture on oh. the moon. Yeah.
1: And that was definitely a back to this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I forgot Michael Keaton was in that movie. Seriously? For like a second. But he's Batman. Anyway. So he flies back around and he's targeting. Did you catch this reference, by the way? This was an easy one. Star Wars. Yeah, so he pulls up a targeting computer just like Luke Skywalker, and he's targeting the Joker, and he starts like machine gunning, like blah 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 blah. blah. I'm like, again, what kind of Batman are you? Are you are you just a murdering kind? I didn't know this, but this is a reference to oh fuck, I wrote it down. It's some other goddamn movie. There's so many of these. Oh, there's so many deep cut references. I I, I didn't write it down. It's whatever. He, yeah, he's shooting at him. Again, that's referenced reference something, but Joker's just like, yeah, do it. Fucking shoot me. And I'm like, that's what they did in The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight referenced this, and I yeah. had completely not noticed that. Oh, because yeah. Joker kind of doesn't care. Because in The Dark Knight, same thing happens. Batman is, like, in his motorcycle, gunning towards him in the middle of the street. And Joker's like, yeah, do it. Kill me. yeah like, I don't care if I die. Or I he's like, my come point. on. Yeah, exactly. And I think in this one, he says, like... It's the same concept. He's, like, daring yeah. Batman to kill him. Oh, he says... Come to me, you gruesome son of a bitch. (laughs) And Batman's just fucking shooting at him, again, with his targeting computer. You gruesome son of a bitch. Yeah, and then Joker takes out a gun and very easily shoots down the Batwing. I'm like, really? It's just one shot with a handgun. Again, It's one of those, like... Oh, yeah, it's, like, comically long. yeah. Yeah. The Batwing crashes. I don't know if you noticed, but it's very obviously a miniature yeah, uh, they held on it for too long. Had they done, and the fire, the fire was like obviously mini. It was like little like tiny flames. Had they held on that for less amount of time, it would have worked. I think it would have been more convincing. Yeah, but I'm like, those are toys. <laughs> um lit a toy on fire and yeah. it. So for whatever reason, Joker grabs Vicky Vale, who's there, and they go into like a cathedral. They go all the way up to the top. And this is a vertical reason. Yeah. Have you seen vertigo? Alfred Hitchcock? This is the one, like the only reference that I ever caught myself because I've seen vertigo. Uh, And it's like shot for shot when they look up and down the stairs or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they go up the stairs and Batman's going up the stairs. By the way, at one point he just trips. (laughs) Did you? You saw that? He trips and he knocks over all the pews. I'm like, that's it? (laughs) He just trips? Was that just him (laughs) tripping while filming? Uh, I don't know. He knocks over all the pews, they stay on it for a minute anyway. And then Joker drops the bell down. Yeah. They get to the top floor. It's obviously Joker and Vicky Vale and Batman. Except there's a bunch of goons up there too. How did they get up there? Maybe they were already there. Because the cops couldn't get there because the bell fell the down. The bell fell and the entrance is blocked off. Yeah. yeah. Not important, I guess. He's dancing with Vicky Vale. Obviously she's like held at gunpoint too. Yeah. And then Batman's there and he's kind of trying to hide. At one point he says something. He's like, oh, without you, I can't live on. And he shoots the gun and, and she the, freaks the out. the little bang flag. The comes bang up. flag. I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. But so when Vicky Vale sees Batman, she's like, I need to create a distraction. She starts and to, like I'm,
1: kissing his Right. I'm the damsel in the
0: distress, so the only way I can, I'm like, I'm just gonna like And she's like, oh, you taste so good. <laughs> like, <laughs> And then a very strange thing happens. She kisses his arm a little bit. The camera is on Joker's face, and, like, her body just kind of goes down. And I'm like, is she... Where's she going? Is this like a blowjob reference? Like, is this, like, is this a Yikes. joke? I don't know. I didn't... That would have distracted him. So, well, I mean, she, oh yeah, it, sure. It but would have gotten the job At done. this point, Sable noticed, because she came out, she was not watching this, and she's like, is she about to give him a blowjob? I'm like, I don't know if that's what the movie is implying, but it's kind <laughs> of what, if you see it again, she very slowly just kind of goes down. Anyway, and the then, distraction works, because then Batman shows up. And starts beating the shit. Yeah, it starts beating and, him. Yeah. him. Obviously, he's no match for Batman. And that's good because Joker's never been a match for Batman, right? Physically. That's not how Joker stands up to Batman. And Joker doesn't really care if he gets beat up either. He just laughs. Yeah. And then that's when Batman's
1: like, I'll kill you.
0: Oh, yeah. Batman literally says, I'll kill you. Do you guys miss the point of Batman? Because the whole point is that he does not kill people, right? And yet in this movie, he's murdered a bunch of people. He's tried killing Joker several times. And at this point, he just flat out says it. Well, Joker also killed his parents. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) At one point he gets like punched and he drops like toy chattering teeth oh uh, yeah on the floor <laughs> then like Batman's cornering him and he puts on a pair of glasses like you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses would you and he punches him anyway punches him anyway I'm like where are you getting all these fucking props like I know you're the Joker but it's a lot of props you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses would you yeah <laughs> so they end up very near the ledge and I guess I don't remember how but they all fall down Batman and Vicky Vale are holding on to the end of the ledge and Joker is like trying to kick out their feet or whatever Joker's helicopter is coming to pick him up Batman ties his feet to a gargoyle <laughs> the gargoyle breaks off and now you assume there's like a good I don't know like 50 pounds of it might be man. more than that and probably is more uh, like holding the Joker down while he's trying to hold he's onto, the onto the ladder so he's... on a helicopter clearly this isn't going to work out but also that helicopter probably should have been like oh let me just move him a couple feet this way yep, and let, he'll be fine him, let's move him back over the building exactly Yeah. Uh, instead they just kind of dangle there and eventually you know he falls to his death and then you just hear, like, the laughter, because there's, like, there's something... Yeah, so the cops find him down on the street, and he has, like... dead. Also, he didn't, like, explode into a million pieces. There's not a whole lot of blood. He's, like... He fell off a skyscraper. He fell. Essentially. Yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, probably, like, a hundred like, stories. Yeah. That was a very tall cathedral. Yeah, and his body's, like, intact for whatever reason, but... <laughs> he's just laying... Like, there's
1: some blood on his face, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, laughter coming from, like, his vest, and, like, the cops, like, check him, and...
0: It's just, like, a little... Another toy. Was it just, like, a toy in his pocket laughing repeatedly? I think it was, like, the one prop he didn't get to use. Like, he used everything else, you know? (laughs) They're congratulating oh, Batman. and they debut the bat signal. And they say, oh, yeah, Batman sent us this letter. How convenient. Batman sent us this letter, and if we ever need him, we just use the signal, and they turn on the bat signal. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And then Vicky Val just kind of walks away to an alley where she sees Alfred, and Alfred is picking her up in the car. Are they dating? Like, where are we with this story, Oh, yeah, because you know? she's like, oh,
1: yeah, Bruce is going to be late. She's like, oh, well, that doesn't surprise me at right, all. Right, because he's Batman.
0: Uh, and then they cut to Batman and the Bat-Signal final shot. Pretty yeah. iconic. Yeah, so anyway, that's the movie. Overall, big picture things, what do you think? How did you feel?
1: Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it, for sure. It definitely had some problems with it. Yeah. Especially for the time, I wouldn't really, like, hold any of that against
0: it. Right. And I kind of agree with you. Like, overall, I I, I like this movie. Like we said, this is an important movie in the grand scheme of things. This paves the way for movies like X-Men and Spider-Man to happen. I think maybe Spider-Man more so. Superman kind of led that charge. But for kind of the more grounded Marvel movies we ended up getting in the MCU, I think Batman more than any other movie influences that. It at least shows people that this is possible. At this point in kind of our timeline of the movies that we talk about, there had only really been one other major movie. And that was Superman, Richard Donner's Superman. That came out right. in the mid-70s. And it spawned several sequels, but that was essentially the first comic book movie. And like like we've said before, there are plenty of movies on our list that were, that are older. Like, we just did Wonder Woman. That's older. But those yeah. are TV movies. They're very low-risk, low-budget. They weren't full feature-length films that went into the cinemas. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was definitely Superman first. And then this, and Batman. And so... I don't know how much you know about the production of this movie, but it was like an arduous 10-year journey. This guy named Michael, I think his name is Uslan or uzlan He was like a film student slash comic book enthusiast. He was able to like get a class accredited in his university to teach like about comic books. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was like a kind of a big deal or whatever. And his pitch for that class was that these stories, comic book stories, are just as important as any other story in fiction or non-fiction. His pitch to like the Dean was, do you know the story of Moses? Okay. He's like, yeah, Moses. He was sent uh, down the river. He was sent down the river by his parents for his, for his safety. And then he's found by uh, another family and he has to kind of deal with his purpose of freeing because God chooses him to free the Jews from, Correct. from Egypt. And he tells the dean this and he's like, but do you know the story of Superman? And he goes, Superman was sent away by his parents for his own safety oh. and then adopted and then he has to reckon with that he is kind of this chosen savior for the humanity and he's like, you've got the class. That was incredible. And so <laughs> these are real stories. Like these stories <laughs> that we can see in comic books, they're not just pulp. They're substantial and so this guy really wanted to bring Batman back in a dark and serious way. He wanted to get this movie and that's what he keeps saying. Dark and serious, dark and serious. we talked about right. it. Because at this point, Batman, had gone through several iterations written in 1939 by and we'll get to it but Bob Kane and Bill Finger that Batman was a little bit more darker and kind of like detective-y and serious and he wasn't like kind of overly campy fun figure right right even though those comics were very much like written by kids and adults alike at the time (laughs) But by the 60s, the TV show happened. Have you seen the TV show? A little bit of it. The, the Adam
1: uh, West one? I've seen like bits of it. I've, I haven't actually sat down
0: and watched an episode, though. Well, it's on our list, so we have to do it. Sweet. But <laughs> you get how that's a huge departure from the origins of Batman. And at this point, that's kind of what people kind of knew about Batman. It was this very tame, very kid-friendly, colorful, kind of teaches you a lesson at the end of the day. Yeah. Kind of a big old um, Boy Scout, you know? <laughs> Similar to Superman. So, he wants to go back to, like we were saying, the dark and serious tone. He ends up buying the film rights and pitching it to studios, and no studio wants to bite.
1: Nobody wants to take the risk. Yeah.
0: He has to write his own script. And this is early 80s. This came before The Dark Knight Returns and before Batman The Killing Joke. And those were kind of the two comic books in the late 80s. I think they're both from, like, 86 and 88 or something like that. To showcase Batman in, like, this really kind of dark and mature tone that started... You know, Batman being more adult and dark like he is now. As we know him. As we know him today, not this campy blue and gray version. No one wanted to take a chance on his script, so eventually he had to use those comics that came out afterwards to kind of show hey like this is what i want to do something similar to this it can work look how popular this is and that's when he finally gets to sell his movie (laughs) and so the irony is a lot of people think this movie is inspired by those comic books batman the killing joke and batman the dark knight returns and those are written by killing joke is written by alan moore we talked about him and dark knight returns is written by frank miller did we talk about him
1: i believe we've talked about him too yeah when did we talk about him but
0: he did, he... Maybe the movie episode. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So, WB finally says, all right, let's find me a director or whatever. They eventually land on... I mean, this went rewrite after rewrite for, like, the better part of, like, six, seven years. At one point, they are going to have Eddie Murphy as Robin <laughs> and Bill Murray as Batman when Robin was going to be in this. I can't picture that. No, not at all. Think about Bill Murray as Batman for a second. It just seems odd.
1: I mean, we've had weirder people cast it as Batman. As Eh. (laughs) well,
0: Have we, though? Bill Murray. Bill Murray.
1: Could you picture George Clooney playing a superhero ever? I
0: can. I I cannot picture Bill Murray. So, (laughs) anyway. (laughs) So, he wants Tim Burton, right? But originally, Warner Brothers did not want Tim Burton because he was still kind of small time. And they didn't want to pull the trigger until Beetlejuice was a big success. Beetlejuice had come out a couple years prior, and it made a bunch of money. It also had Michael Keaton in it. And it had Michael Keaton, and that's kind of why they're like, okay... We'll let you use Tim Burton. Tim Burton wanted to bring in Michael Keaton. Tim Burton also wanted to bring in an unknown for the Joker. And at the time, he was interested in Willem Dafoe, which obviously isn't an unknown anymore.
1: That would have been really interesting to see.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. He wanted to use Willem Dafoe as Batman, not oh. the Joker. People get Ooh. those confused like I just did just now. People get That those confused would have been weird. <laughs> because, yeah, because, you know, you think of Willem Dafoe's like face Green, and his own. Green overall, Goblin. Exactly. Huh? Evil villain, maniacal laughter. Yeah. yeah. They wanted a big name, so they go out and get Jack Nicholson for the Joker. Although a bunch of other A-listers were considered. When fans hear about this, have you heard about the writing campaign to stop this movie from happening? No. So never. this is, obviously it's before Twitter, but. Comic book fans were enraged. It was an uproar, like a legitimate uproar. Oh, this sounds familiar. Exactly. But again, before Twitter, so instead of going online and like being angry on like Reddit or Twitter, they fucking wrote letters. They wrote like 50 plus thousand letters to WB, handwritten with stamps. Like, think of how easy it is to tweet and how hard it is to write a fucking letter and then take it to the post office, you know? Yeah. Because when they think of Michael Keaton, they thought of, like, all the comedic roles he had done up like until this point. Beetlejuice. He had done Beetlejuice. He had done, I think, Mr. Mom at this point. Right. Right. And Tim Burton had just come off from doing Beetlejuice, first of all, which is kind of like this funny romp of a movie. Right. It has its dark elements, but it is still a comedy it's at the a end comedy. The And Pee Wee's Big Adventure. They see those names and they think, oh my God, no, they're doing another Adam West, light, funny, rompy <laughs> thing. And then that's not what we want. We want dark and serious. And so. I remember there was a similar like outcry when Heath Ledger got casted
1: as the Joker. Yeah. People didn't think he had they the chops to do it. Yeah.
0: And I don't know why not. He was a good actor. I think, you know what? I think they thought he was too pretty. Well, yeah, because he, he played
1: like the pretty boy in like A Knight's Tale. He was in, um, he was in The Patriot.
0: He was like a oh, kind really? of a pretty boy there, too. He was in 10 Things I Hate About You, which is like a high school yeah. drama, you know? Yeah, and I mean, look how wrong people were about that. I remember hearing that and thinking, okay, well, let's, whatever, let's, see, doesn't let's broke see a broke picture back or whatever. Too? Yeah, he had done Brokeback before that, also. With Jake well, Brown obviously, um, Dark Knight was one of his last credits. Yeah. He died right after that, that was done filming. Obviously, the movie gets made, and it's a huge, huge success. So, again, people were wrong. They took this in this direction, this dark and serious direction. And what I like about this movie is that it's it's not grounded because it's not realistic, but it does skirt more towards realism than comic book fantasy, right? Yes. It, But it kind of lands in Tim Burton fantasy land. You know what I mean? (laughs) It feels like if you told me this was set in the same universe as Beetlejuice and, like, Nightmare Before Christmas, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Totally uh, makes sense, that makes perfect sense because it still feels kind of like a Tim Burton fantasy, you know.
1: The um, bad guys like always wearing like their pinstripe suits no matter what they're doing,
0: yeah, yeah. There's a lot, of, like we said, there's a lot of like timeless elements, <laughs> yeah. in like Gotham City the,
1: and in the this super movie. long barrel that the Joker had, the little bang flag, oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But I mean, all those things are also really fun, I think, yeah, so. So, yeah, I just think this is a very important movie. I don't think we would get any of what we got now with the Marvel Universe, uh, Spider-Man, X-Men. None of those kind of earlier, you know, big movies yeah. that kind of started this wave of comic book superhero Even movies. Even Blade, I'm sure. Sure, yeah. And I think Blade, that's them going, hey, adults went to go see Batman. So, you know, let's this make wasn't an kids. adult comic yeah, book movie. exactly. Yeah. But this movie in particular, I think some of the stuff it gets... Right, is like some of the gangster cop corruption stuff early on. It doesn't stray away from that. And I think there's probably like a balancing act when you make a Batman movie of how kid legible it can be. Like, can a kid sit and understand what's happening? Right. And you think about like movies like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And you probably say, no, kids cannot understand what's happening in these scenes <laughs> about like, you know, police corruption and like gangsters right. and district attorneys trying to get evidence and witnesses and someone who will stand up on trial to like get this guy in court. Kids don't understand that, right? No. But at the same time, I think what they're trying to do is, is do a balancing act. Can kids sit in this and kind of still get Batman? You know, kids still get kind of mm-hmm. right and wrong for Batman and Batman's villains. Sure. I think this movie is a little towards kind of more the adult side, but I think it's still watchable for kids. Every major Batman movie, for the most part, with the exception of,
1: like, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, those are the only two that I would consider, like, not really made for adults.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Because
1: every other major Batman film is, like, very dark, very grounded.
0: Yeah. And I think it's one of those where they realize after this point, Batman is more of an adult superhero He just works better that way. Yeah. He's kind of more relatable for adults because he... What do kids know about vengeance and injustice? You know what I mean? And those are his pillars. Those are... That's what makes Batman, Batman. I think kids are attracted to him because he's cool and he's got gadgets. Yeah. He's edgy. Exactly. Again, it's a balancing act and that stuff, he gets right. But we talked about There's a lot of allusions to other films. This is like a film junkies kind of dream right it's brazil metropolis star wars little shop of horrors the man who laughs going south Patton, north by northwest i recognize two of those references i recognize vertigo and i recognize star wars with the targeting computer right. we talked about this but everything else obviously went over my head i don't know Until, you, said you like saw pointed little, out to you yeah you, you said you saw little shop of horrors yeah
1: yeah and the tools
0: were like yeah, the same ones the, that, if, uh, yeah if you put them side by side they're not only the same tools they're arranged in the same exact arrangement that, uh, too. steve martin's character used. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, I don't know. Overall, I think this movie is too short. It's two hours, and that seems fine for a normal movie. Well, and at the time, that was long. I think that's what happens. I think I think they said, you need to kind of cut this back a little bit. You need to make it fit within this window. And they did what they could. But there's a lot of, I feel, incomplete segments to this movie. And I think at the end of the day, if focused too much on getting those film illusions in and proving, because again, this is like the second comic book movie. And the first comic book movie, Superman, that shit's easy because all they did was put Superman on the, on the screen. They went page to screen. What's Superman? Here he is. Put him on the screen. And that's why people like that movie. But that's Superman. This is Batman. And this was a reinvention, right? They're saying, well, we want to do the dark and serious version of Batman, right. not the one we're all used to right now. Nowadays, we've got a ton of this dark and serious Batman. Now, Some people if are we sick of got that. like a lighthearted Batman, it'd be weird. Exactly. But at the time, it was the opposite. And so I feel like what Tim Burton is doing here is he has to prove himself and say, no, this is a real movie. This is real cinema. So I'm going to shove in as many allusions to the best cinematic works that I love, Alfred Hitchcock. All these other movies. <laughs> George Lucas. Yeah. I don't know why I thought I was just going to name off all these directors. Like I'm, He's like, I'm going to shove in as many allusions as I can to all these other works of art. And I think he forgot to make a full and complete movie. You know, yeah. like on its own. I think there's not enough like Batman stuff in this movie. This movie is a lot of Joker. I don't know what yeah. you think about that. It's, it's a lot of Joker. There's not that much Batman. And
1: like the only thing we see about like... His motivations is, which I mean, there's not a lot to his motivations. Like, his parents died. But they showed, like, one flashback scene, very short one, and then that's it as far as his development goes. And then all of a sudden, he was yelling, I'll kill you to the Joker.
0: Yeah. There's not a lot of character development for Batman, I think. There's not a lot of Batman in this movie called Batman. And there's too much Joker, I feel. And the Joker stuff is not bad. We'll get to him. But I feel as if, I mean, first of all, you're making a movie called Batman. But we barely see Batman until the second half of this movie. You know, the first half of this movie is mostly Joker, Mm -hmm. mostly Knox and Vicky Vale, right? And then towards the second half, you start to see a lot more Batman. But like you said, where are his motivations? Where is his character development? There's a tiny bit. And so Batman as a character is super interesting for me because he is... So, I mean, you know, all of his villains are psychotic, right? So they all have some sort of mental instability, Whether it's they're just straight out psychopaths, or you know they have like an extreme OCD, or they have uh, multiple personalities, they're all criminally insane, right? And that's why all his villains end up going to To Arkham
1: Asylum. An asylum, yeah. Yeah.
0: And as a kid, I didn't know what that meant. You know, I thought that was jail. (laughs) It
1: was just jail for Batman villains, exactly.
0: (laughs) But yeah. I think only one of his villains goes to jail. I don't know like if it's Falcone. It's either Bane or someone else. Uh, well, like the, the mob villains kind of just go to jail. So there's, too. okay, sure. But there's one like Batman super villain. I forget which one it is. That's known for being like the only one who doesn't go to Arkham Asylum. And I can't off the top of my head remember who he is. And I think, is it a coincidence that like all of Batman's villains are insane or is Batman also a little bit insane himself? You know what I mean? I
1: like the idea that he's also a little bit insane himself. that's the thing. And
0: in a lot of the best Batman stories, there's at least a little bit of analysis on Batman's psyche himself, right? Like, he's not all right. He's not okay. No. Because Batman, when his parents get murdered, he considers himself, like, dead. Like, he died at that point. Bruce Wayne is dead. And he doesn't know it yet, but that was the birth of Batman, right? Until he's an adult and then he starts becoming Batman or whatever. And I love the versions of... Batman, where they really try to at least analyze that a little bit, at least put it up to question. And in this movie, you get a tiny bit of it. Right? There's a scene with Alfred. Did you like Alfred in this? Yeah, Alfred. I was think he's awesome. I think enjoyable. Yeah, I think he's awesome. Although I, I think I prefer the versions of Alfred that are more three dimensional and more like a character, like, instead uh, of Michael Caine. I like the Michael Caine one a lot. Yeah, but so in this one, there's a scene where he gets him the file on his parents' death so that he could kind of verify that the Joker was the guy. Because remember, he says the line to him before he shoots him, and he's like, what did you say? And he recognizes that because he said that to him after he killed his parents. Right. And he was going to kill him, but then his buddy, like, hurried him away or whatever. So, and then he asks Alfred for, you know, the report on his parents' death, and he's he's going through it, and Alfred kind of looks at him, and he asks Alfred, like, you know, are you okay or whatever? Alfred says, I have no wish to fill my few remaining years grieving the loss of old friends or their sons. And I'm like, what is he saying? Because he says, I don't want to grieve the loss of my old friends or their sons. Is he saying that he agrees that like Bruce Wayne died in the alleyway mm-hmm. and that he's been raising Batman ever since? And he doesn't want to think about it anymore, you know, because that is obviously like traumatizing to Alfred just as much as it is to Bruce, Right? you know, or is he saying, Stop what you're doing or you're going to die. You know what I'm saying? Like, which is it? I don't know what you think about that. I feel like it could be more of the second one
1: there. Just, like, in the context of the movie.
0: But he doesn't... I don't know,
1: because... Because it could be like, hey, I already lost my friends. I don't want (laughs) to grieve their son, too.
0: Okay. But also, in that moment, Batman's not about to, like, go do something super dangerous. He He's just starting to piece together that Jack Napier is responsible for his parents' death. And so... I read that as is like I don't know. I-, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he's kinda warning him to like tread lightly, like not don't go let down this, this path. Consume you. Yeah. Because one thing that's not touched upon in this movie at all is that Batman's not a killer. Yeah, he kills people in this he movie. He killed a shit ton of people in this movie and we talked about it. And had no issue with it. No, 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 no. And at one point he stands next to the joker and he just says, I'll kill you. Like, I'll fucking do it. Like <laughs> I don't care. But I don't know if he's warning him to, like, not go down that path or he's saying, like, why are you going through your parents shit right now? Why are you opening up that can of worms? I let that go. You know, I try not to grieve over your parents and I try not to grieve over you because you're basically gone at this point. You're so far gone. And I like to believe that Alfred has at least this version of Alfred. He already tried helping Bruce as a kid. And as like an adolescent, and it just didn't work. And now he's like, well, I have no choice but to at least help Batman so that he doesn't get himself killed, you know. And that's why he's so kind of helpful in his pursuit of justice or whatever. I don't know. No, that's an interesting take on it. I really like the scene also in The Dark Knight Rises when Alfred basically is like, fuck you. Like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And that scene by um, Michael Caine is really awesome, too. And, and again, that's probably why that's my favorite Alfred, because he's constantly challenging Bruce. And he's like, you're an idiot. Why are you doing this? Like, you're, wh- what do you have to gain? You know? And he tries to talk him down any chance he gets. But by this point, you know, he, he's like going to get himself killed. And he's basically like, if if I continue to help you and you die, that's on me. And I can't deal with that anymore. So fuck off. I'm leaving. See you later. And he does leave him. And yeah, right. No, he leaves. It's not just yeah. like an empty threat. Like Alfred's gone. He never sees him again. Nope. So, I don't know. I really <laughs> like that scene. I was talking to someone about Dark Knight Rises that, like, we kind of forget how good of a movie that was, that we only remember the faults. Like, we only remember, like, oh, like, how'd he get out of, like, the hole? You know? <laughs> like, oh, why did he, like, light that thing on fire? Why did he say that thing to Bane before they started punching each other? All that stupid shit people like like to remember. But like oh yeah, that movie sucks. They don't remember that the movie's actually really good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so I think it's too short because I would have liked to see more of that, more Batman- kind of like character development i like to see more of like where where his head's at it's barely hinted at like i said with alfred and that's kind of it it's abandoned and then also like this whole vicky Vale love story yeah it was they have three or four scenes together okay so what happens they meet at the party he asks her back on a date at the house they sleep together then he doesn't see her again until he decides he's gonna tell her that he's batman that's all it took and then joker (laughs) Attacks and <laughs> yeah, and then he gets shot, he disappears, so they don't actually talk. And then she comes back, Alfred lets her in, and is just like. Oh, hey, look, here's Batman. There he is. And they're like, we love each other. So I feel like there's just like there wasn't like, three, anything to it. There's some gaps here, I feel, in storytelling. Yeah. I feel like there's some major skipping going on. And like there should have been a couple more scenes, I think, to justify that they're like, all in interactions love. between them. Yeah. yeah. Or like maybe tone it back a little bit. One of the two, but you can't have both, I think. Right. I don't know. I would have liked to see more of that and maybe less of the Joker. Do you have any thoughts on the Joker in this movie? I mean, he was
1: entertaining, that's for sure. Like, Jack Nicholson's great, but he was in this movie a lot.
0: Yeah. Do you think he's great? Because I, I have mixed... Uh, I'll get to it. I think he was fun, you think. fun to watch on screen. Do you think he... Like, this is a solid performance. Like, this is, this is what we wanted from Jack Nicholson, like, the I mean, Academy Award winning actor. I don't think it was
1: his best performance by any means, no. Okay, yeah. But he did bring sort of a
0: quirkiness to it. I think this is a character that doesn't need a whole lot of screen time to be good, you know? Mm-hmm. This is the Joker. And if you look at The Dark Knight, which is, like, obviously the consensus for, like, the best Joker movie. In that movie, he gets, like, four or five scenes. You don't actually don't see a lot of him. He has very little screen time. You just remember it all. Right. Like, you exit that movie thinking... He stole the show, but he has very few lines when you actually kind of add it all up. That's still a very Batman-heavy movie. And the Joker just kind of steals the show in what little bits and pieces we see of him. But I think in that kind of sense, less is more, you know? You think about Heath Ledger's performance, and if it were any longer, maybe it starts kind of detracting from the overall effect. Yeah. This Joker, I think, is like... I think it nails the Joker, the character of the Joker that we knew at the time. So the Joker, I feel, is random, dangerous psychopath, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what makes him such a good villain for Batman. Do you know about the theory of Black Mirror versus an opposite? No. So if you write a villain for a comic book, Hero, there's kind of two extremes. A Black Mirror, or a Dark Mirror as it's called is, it's like the dark version of you. So maybe has the same kind of skill sets.
1: Oh, so but, like the whole, like the Black Panther and Killmonger. Right. That'd, that'd Iron be Man and Iron Monger.
0: Right. Those are dark mirrors. Link and Dark Link. Link and Dark Link. <laughs> yeah. Whereas an opposite is, actually has an opposite skill set, maybe opposite motivation is everything that you're not. It's complementary, and that's why they're dangerous. So it's Batman and the Joker. Right. Batman and the Joker, if they were to get into a, a fist fight, Batman's gonna beat the shit out of them. Every time. Every single time, right? But that's not the joker's plan batman being the greatest the world's greatest detective he can kind of figure out the motivations behind most of his villains he can't figure out the joker because the joker is random Mm -hmm. right he attacks randomly he kills whoever's in his way we said it why did you kill bob in that scene like bob's been good to you yeah he messed up once and really that wasn't even his fault and he kills bob yeah Like, damn, those are kind of bits and pieces. I'm like, okay, well, they understand the Joker. The Joker is also highly intelligent. So he's smart, but he's random. He uses that to his advantage. He knows what he's doing, but he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, you think about in The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger's Joker at one point says, do I look like a man with a plan? (laughs) And... And he says he's just like a dog. Like, he's chasing cars. He wouldn't know what he would do if he actually caught it. Like, he just likes the chase, and he's kind of making stuff up as he goes along. But really, if you watch the movie, we know that's not true. He meticulously planned everything out. Right. It's just a facade that he puts on. Right? So, you can't possibly understand him. He's like the best poker player. Throws everyone off. Yeah. Yeah. He's unpredictable. Exactly. We said this where I like the part where he sees that George Washington painting, the one that goes on the $1 bill. And a a minute later, she goes, what do you want? And he goes, my face on the $1 bill. He just said that because he saw the painting, like he's improvising. You know what I mean? He's going, he's just kind of seeing where it takes him. They did the whole acid in the flower. They did the killing people with like making them smile. Those are all things that the Joker does, right? Yeah. So those things I like. Now, do I like Jack Nicholson in this role? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Like, <laughs> I think the character's well-written, and I think a lot of actors could have gone in and done the same thing as Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. I think the reason they got him is because of The Shining. Because, I mean, you look at his body of work. He's done a bunch of stuff. And uh, we'll get to him in and Keeper and Cancel. The Shining's
1: his most iconic role yeah
0: and i think they said okay we're gonna get him because look at how insane <laughs> and like deranged this character was in this movie also it's a kubrick film and kubrick would famously like make you do a thousand takes of something to literally drive you crazy yeah to get that on film <laughs> so who he knows? was a dick <laughs> yeah exactly so who knows how much acting there was in that movie Really, <laughs> he was actually losing his money exactly yeah but i think they saw that and they said that's the joker right there like deranged, losing his mind. You're you look at his face in that movie, and you're like, that guy's fucking terrifying. Like he's gonna murder me. Right. You know what I mean? I think they saw that and said, that's perfect for the Joker. Let's just get him. But we'll get to him and keep her cancel. I think it was fine. I don't think it's like, oh, look at this Academy Award winning actor. I just kind of didn't buy it all the way for the first half of the movie. I thought he was kind of phoning it in. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> oh, when he was just like playing uh the gangster. Yeah, it was just kind of I don't know. I think he thought this was kind of a light role and he had fun with it. But also, I don't know, dude, you're the fucking Academy Award winning actor. Why don't you do something better? You know? The other thing we talked about in this movie about the Joker is that he has a backstory. And he usually doesn't have a backstory. Yeah. We were talking about his Red Hood story. I looked this up. Joker's written in 1940. He's not given an origin until 1951 in just one comic book where they introduced the Red Hood which is this petty criminal who, in, in like a fight with Batman, falls into the vat of chemicals, is presumed dead. And then, like, later, the Joker appears. Batman doesn't put two and two together until years later, basically. That that was the Joker who had fallen into the vat of chemicals. Okay. As the Red Hood. The second Red Hood story we are talking about, Batman the Killing Joke, where they tell an origin for the Joker as, like, a failed... Comedian or something like that, right? Who's like not funny, not interesting, not good looking. Nobody likes him. Which is what the Joker movie kind of took a little bit from. Yeah, yeah. Falls on the vat of chemicals, uh, comes out the Joker, and then just becomes, at least in his mind, hilarious or whatever. But that came out after this movie, right? Uh, It came out, I think, the year that the movie was like eighty eight. It was the year that the movie was already being filmed, so that had no effect on this movie. It just that's just coincidence. But I think the Joker works better when he doesn't have an origin.
1: Right. Like, if you don't know where he yeah.
0: came from. Again, he's random. And if Batman doesn't know what he's up to, then we, the audience, shouldn't either. Right? That makes him a little bit more scary for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was gonna talk a little about the Joker in the original comics. He was also a murderous psychopath. I read like one of them, uh, um, like a few pages that he was in, and he's just like, yeah, he's like killing random people with like smile gas and stuff. Basically, the same thing that he did in like you know the animated series and then in this movie. But he was kind of missing throughout the '60s because the Comics Code Authority happened. Do you know about the Comics Code Authority? Uh, it was basically kind of like like a rating system. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was like a censoring group yeah, we'll or just whatever. Make
1: sure this is like you know yeah. family friendly enough exactly
0: and basically it centered the joker into like not existing like the comics code authority said like crimes couldn't be sympathetic so you couldn't relate to the criminal the cops judges government officials could not be represented in a disrespectful way so no corrupt cops no none of that so, all the things that makes Batman great, first of all. Right. You know, no glamorizing criminals. Good has to win over evil. So, they can't lose. The bad, the good guys cannot lose. The bad guys cannot win. There couldn't be, like, vampires, werewolves, ghosts, no undead. Yeah, none of that. Obviously, no nudity. But also, like, no suggestive or salacious illustrations uh, were prohibited female shall be drawn realistically and without exaggeration of any physical qualities no hinting at sexual relations so no big boobs no big titties yeah which is funny because what we said like once all this kind of went away like towards the 80s and 90s they went all out on yeah it. they went all in on that especially the 90s yeah but like i said it just puts you in in batman's shoes when you don't know what he's up to where you don't know where he came from so I think this movie would have been better if you just kind of cut all that stuff out and give that airtime to Batman. You know what I mean? Anyway, do you have any other thoughts on this movie from like an analytical point of view? I've been kind of blabbing, so that's why I'm <laughs> whatever you <laughs> Not got. Not so
1: much from an analytical point of view. Just like I mean, I've already said my piece on what I thought about it. Like it has its issues and we, we talked about quite oh, a few of these issues. Yeah. Already. Also,
0: do you think this movie ages well? Because I think it kind of doesn't.
1: No, like as I was watching it, like some of the stuff I'm like, this is
0: very clearly like old. Well, I think it's obviously a big deal for the time. Right. But I think it's not age proof because you watch it and you think, okay, like this isn't Realistic, and it doesn't, it's not that it has to be like super grounded in reality, but again, like, how is this Batman supposed to be beating up people? There's like one okay action scene with Batman, otherwise, he's just kind of getting like shot at, yeah, and he can't turn his head. At one point, he looks up. Did you remember when he looks up and he has to turn his entire torso yeah, back? I was
1: actually gonna mention that it seemed like this might have been an issue with just like the costume that they use, but like, he, definitely he can't yeah. move in it,
0: no, barely. When he's running in the crowd, it's kind of funny because he's very uncomfortably kind of like running. I'm like, Anybody could just take him down. <laughs>
1: and he can't just turn his head. He has to move, like, his shoulders along with it. Like, yeah. it's very stiff and Like, he had to do looking. a little
0: limbo move to, like, in order to look up. And at the time, I think you could kind of, like, look past that. Right. Because it's a costume. And it's not real. And there's a, a level of suspension of disbelief. But nowadays, we've been so conditioned in, like, the Marvel Universe, you know, where... Very practical it's costumes. It's very practical, yeah. And the action is so good... That everything you see, you have no choice but to kind of believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, gaps in logic a couple times in in how this is edited. But I think when you look at it now, you're like, okay, well, yeah, at the time, you have to remind yourself, well, at the time, this was revolutionary and yada, yada, yada. But I don't think you can show this to someone today and be like... (laughs) But did you catch all the film allusions, like all the references? (laughs) You know, most people aren't going to notice those. Yeah, exactly. There's a weird. It's not a great cross section between like real film buffs, like people that really appreciate like cinema from the fucking twenties and thirties or whatever, (laughs) and this like Batman fans. It
1: is a product of its time.
0: Yeah, exactly. For better or for worse. Right. Okay. So you want to move on to our next segment? Yeah, let's do it. What's it called? Keeper cancel. It's called keeper cancel. We talk about all the people in this movie and whether we would, hypothetically, because we're nobodies, keep them or cancel them. There's a lot of people I want to talk about in this movie, and I think what we're going to do is put off Tim Burton. I even thought about putting off Michael Keaton, but I think there's, there's not really much to talk about, Michael Keaton. He's good actor. Good actor. <laughs> he's still doing shit. I like... No major controversies. Yeah, him. I like everything he's done. Yeah. Yeah. He was great in Spider-Man as yep. the vulture. He was good in Birdman. Past. I was going to say, it. have you seen Birdman? Yeah. Because Birdman is a movie about kind of a washed up actor who was best known for playing a superhero many years prior. Right. And he's trying to kind of reinvent his career. It's kind of like- Like on stage. And he, kind he can't of do meta. it. meta. Right. And yeah. it's kind of based on him, right? Because Michael Keaton's always going to be known as Batman. Yep. Even though he hasn't touched this character since 1992. Yeah. You know, it's it's been a long time. Again, people always remember as, as Batman. When he did Spider-Man, there's that whole reference when he takes the vulture up into the moon. Just like in this movie yeah. with the Batwing. And like, he cannot escape this, right? <laughs> so, this movie... And if if you don't know... The next Flash movie, they're doing Flashpoint, and in the Flashpoint story, the Flash wants to go back in time to save his mother mom from dying. From dying, that ends up incarcerating his dad because he gets blamed for it. Right? right. In doing so, he accidentally goes into a different parallel universe where he meets a different version of Batman, and it's Thomas Wayne. It's not Bruce Wayne. It's Bruce's dad because in that universe, Bruce Wayne is the one that got shot. And Thomas and Martha survived. Thomas ends up becoming Batman, but like a brutal Batman, like with guns and shit. And I think Martha ends up becoming like the Joker for whatever reason. Like they both obviously took the death of the son in different yeah. ways. But in this Flashpoint movie, what they're going to do is that when the Flash goes to a parallel universe, he's going to a parallel universe and it's this universe <laughs> with fucking Michael Keaton as Batman, but like older, obviously. Right. So Michael Keaton will come back as Batman, basically, like an older mm-hmm. Batman. And who knows? We'll talk about that next week too, because that's his last Batman movie. His Batman Returns, the sequel to this. After that, it kind of derails a little bit, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, and we're all going to get to that too, but everybody wants to know, like, where this universe finishes. But how do you feel about Michael Keaton coming back? As Batman. I think that's kind of cool. And, like, how do honestly. they explain? Yeah, right. But then how do they explain all this shit we're talking about and how, like, it's not realistic and this and that and this suit? Because some people are saying, oh, he should be wearing the same suit. I'm like, well, fuck that. That's stupid. It's been, like, 25 years. Why would he be wearing the same exact suit? He should have a different suit, right? Right. Maybe the same design. Something similar. Something right. in that vein. But
1: kind of like. But where... make it practical for him to actually move around in. Yeah, like. I don't want to his... see. like weird, stiff movements. It's like. Yeah. Unless this is a universe where they're just all really fucking dumb with how they design things.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has a collar, like the Robert Pattinson one. So the Robert Pattinson one has a collar so that his neck can move around and the collar yeah. protects his neck. Which that, some versions of Batman That hands.
1: costume doesn't look that bad either. It doesn't look bad. No, not at all. I think no. Robert Pattinson looks a little. I
0: don't need weak it. Weak in it? Like, he looks like a cosplayer. I've said I don't want to watch that. I don't want to see that movie because it's replacing the Ben Affleck movie that was supposed to happen and never right. happened. And now, I, I, every time I think about the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, <laughs> I feel robbed that we didn't get that movie. And it's you weird that they're mean? making
1: that movie, but they're still moving forward
0: at Ben Affleck as Batman. Yeah. And so, there's I mean, there's all these, like, rumors online that maybe if... Justice League is good as, like, a TV format, as, like, a miniseries. They do something like that with Ben Affleck on HBO Max? Probably not. And I'm not, no, my hopes are not high for that. But just, like, last week, Frank, the guy who plays... Um, Flash Thompson and well, yeah. Spider-Man? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also, the, he was playing Deathstroke. So he was supposed to be the, like, oh, the main it's Joe, villain. Oh, Joe. Joe Manganiello, yeah. Frank. Joe Manganiello was, was playing Deathstroke in that movie. And he kind of came out and said, like, the script was like the best thing he had ever read. And he was really upset that that movie wasn't being made. Oh, for the, gonna... the Batman movie that yeah, was yeah, supposed yeah. to? Yeah, because it was Ben Affleck writing it with, I think, Chris Terrio. Oh, shit. And, and say what you will about Ben Affleck. He's an amazing writer and an amazing director. Yeah, have you seen Argo? Yeah. Or Gone, Baby Gone? Yeah. Or The Town? Those are all incredible films. And so anyway, we kind of derailed, but he's going to be in that movie. It's going to be kind of his goodbye, I think, because it's in that movie or in Flashpoint, the story, Flash sees the current Batman and he also sees this alternate universe Batman and he delivers a message from one to the other. Like, I think that movie wouldn't work unless you had both Batmans, you know? Right. Right. And so Ben Affleck's going to be in it. And then Michael Keaton, according to the Flashpoint story, they're probably not going to meet those two characters. But I think it's still a really interesting putting one up against the other, you know, at least to make you think about like where Batman went in this universe compared to like the Ben Affleck one, who's like, you know, 300 more pounds of muscle, right? (laughs) Then Michael Keaton, who's kind of scrawny in this movie. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he kind of is. This is also before they had people like get into
0: like these huge workouts for like, oh, yeah. superhero roles. No, but I mean, overall, I think Michael Keaton in this movie was fine. I don't think it was that special, honestly. Again, he didn't have much to do in this movie. And that's not his fault. No, but I would have liked to see more. And maybe next week, I don't remember a lot of Batman Returns, so maybe we'll get more of that. But overall, keep Michael Keaton. I, think I just he's remember awesome. Danny DeVito, and that's it. For oh, that movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. But yeah, overall, I think I'm keeping Michael Keaton. That's an easy choice. Yeah. I know oh, I'd keep them too. Oh, you, you were looking at me for a second, I was like, is, uh, are you canceling oh, no, Michael no, no, Keaton? No, no. I have no reason to. <laughs> no, keep Key also see Birdman. That's an amazing movie. It's very underrated. The I mean, founder. It's not, it's not underrated. Oh, I need to watch that. You haven't seen it? I have not seen oh, the founder. That's good. And I work for McDonald's. He <laughs> he plays the biggest asshole. I know. And and you know what's funny is that um I probably shouldn't be saying this, but in like McDonald's training, well you learn a lot about about that guy. Fuck, what's his name? Ray Kroc. And, obviously, it's, like, revisionist history. Like, McDonald's regards him as, like, this genius, you know? And so... I hadn't really heard about any of the bad stuff until, like, the previews (laughs) for that movie came out. And it shows, like... Yeah. And I started looking into it, and I was like, oh, shit, like, that's not great. kind of stole the company. He kind of scammed everybody. Yeah. Yeah. He's also super smart because... He's a very good businessman. I'll give him that. Yeah. So, if you haven't seen that movie, or if you don't have a career in McDonald's like I do... (laughs) um, (laughs) You would know. You wouldn't know that McDonald's actually makes most of its money off of real estate and not uh, food. Food, yeah. They buy all the plots of land before it's even valuable, like right. before the town's even built. They buy a plot of land where they're going to put a McDonald's. They put the McDonald's and then they charge the owners like rent and a franchising fee. But the franchising fee is small. The rent is large, right? And so that's how McDonald's makes most of its money because most of it is franchised, and that's all Ray Kroc, evil genius. That is genius. Yeah, so, I don't want to get fired. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, definitely keep Michael Keaton. I need to watch The Founder now that you mention it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good movie. All right. So, next on the list is Jack Nicholson. Here's – okay. What do you think about Jack Nicholson?
1: I don't have a problem with him. But, like, obviously, when I think of him, the
0: only thing I ever think of is The Shining. I have, like, a visceral reaction to Jack Nicholson. I think this is face. Like, let's be he, honest. He looks like an evil man. It, yeah, he looks funny. It's weird. And it's really good for some of those roles. Mm-hmm. And he is undoubtedly a good actor. Fun fact, he's been nominated for 12 Academy Awards, has won three, and that makes him the male performer with the most nominations. And I think wins, obviously, because the female one is uh, Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. Okay. She obviously has the most. Obviously, he's most famous for like One Floor with the Cuckoo's Next, in Terms of Endearment, The Shining, like you said. I liked him in The Shining, like we just said, like, it's terrifying. Yeah, he's a scary guy. <laughs> I think one of my favorite roles, cause like, fuck those, some of these other movies, like About Schmidt or like, uh, Something's Gotta Give, where he has like two women falling in love with him in that movie, like, fuck, no, fuck that. <laughs> um, it's like Diane Keaton and, and like, some, and like her, daughter or like some young girl it's not whatever anger management was adam sandler have you ever seen that movie oh yeah yeah, and it's because he plays like an old angry kind of deranged evil man i'm like okay cool so you're playing yourself that's you
1: yeah maybe that's what it
0: is (laughs) like he's great in those roles because maybe that's him yeah, exactly. I really don't like him. I can't stress that enough. I just don't like Jack Nicholson. If you've ever seen like the Lakers game, he's had courtside tickets for the last twenty five years, mm-hmm. and like he will stand up and like get on the court and argue with refs and, and like heckle players from the opposing team. Uh so he's a dick. He's a huge dick. And like like basketball players will say like, oh yeah, you know you go to play the Lakers and fucking Jack Nicholson's yelling at you like fuck like like sit the fuck down you're not part of the team man it's that it's the sunglasses like he's always wearing sunglasses apparently uh he thought fred astaire looked cool in them so he's been wearing sunglasses ever since literally every day and any public appearance obviously he doesn't wear them in his movies because the directors are probably like no you look fucking stupid (laughs) and weird take them off and are you asleep are you dead like what's going on down there you know dude i don't know (laughs) So for this movie he agreed to do it as long as he had three conditions.
1: It's always weird when actors give conditions for them to appear in a movie. Oh, like like you're already fuck gonna get paid. You, to dude, be in yeah, it.
0: seriously, like seriously fuck off. Like how self important do you think you are? Okay, so it's more than just three things. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go ahead and read what it says on Wikipedia. Nicholson had what was known as an off-the-clock agreement. His contract specified the numbers of hours he was entitled to have off each day from the time he left the set to the time he was reported back for filming, as well as being off for Los Angeles Lakers home games. Again, fuck you. Nicholson demanded that all his scenes be shot in a three-week block, but the schedule lapsed into 106 days. That's much longer. (laughs) Um... (laughs) He reduced the standard $10 million fee to $6 million in exchange for a cut of the film's earnings, including associated merchandise. That's smart. That is probably smart on his behalf, which led to an excess of $50 million he made off this movie. Okay, yeah, that was a a smart move. Okay, sure. He also demanded top billing. Is that like when you're like the number one on the poster? Yep. And, so okay. when you look at a poster of this movie, it says Jack Nicholson. And, say and then it Key says Keaton. Michael Keaton. And then it says Batman, who fucking like is Michael Keaton. So I'm like, dude, and this is the thing. Top billing and last billing is a big thing among actors. Like they either want top billing or like last billing. Why would you want last? Because and then it says so and so and so and so so and It says all these names. And it says and... Oh. Birdo. You know? Gotcha. So top and last... You don't want to be just one of the names in the middle. Right. Those are the honorific ones. But the fact that your ego is so fucking, like, fragile that you need to be the first name on right. the poster. Dude. He probably had a lot more screen time than
1: Michael Keaton as and well. And that's the other
0: thing. How much of that was... Because he you know, demanded it. Exactly. And that we just don't know about it. And I would believe... true. I mean, after all what we read, I would not be surprised if he was like, no, I need more screen time. I need more screen time than that fucker Michael Keaton. You know? <laughs> because that's what... Like we said, that's how the movie ended up. Right you know so anyway fuck that guy i say <laughs> he sounds like a dick oh i forgot one time he beat a woman who he refused to pay for sex oh all right well <laughs> yeah apparently he paid her a th- or he agreed to like a thousand dollars for sex or something like that jesus and then when she asked for the money like he beat her and then he had to sell it in court for like forty thousand dollars or something <laughs> so i don't know if you were gonna keep them but now you're gonna sound mm-hmm. real dumb if you no, do <laughs> i'm gonna cancel him because that's yeah. fucked yeah me too cancel that motherfucker also you, you know what we forgot like several weeks, like a month ago, we did Sean Connery, and I totally forgot that Sean Connery endorsed hitting women. Oh. Did you know about this? No, I didn't. Yeah, he repeatedly endorsed hitting women. Like he, and one time, like in the like, 90s or or something, they asked him about it again. They're like, hey, like, you know, 10 years ago, you said this about like hitting women. Do you want to take that back? And he was like, no. Like sometimes you, you know, they say, they say the wrong thing, and you, you just kind of hit them, show them who's boss or some shit like oh. that. And they're like, Jesus, dude, like, we gave you the chance to take it back. <laughs> you fucked up. Yeah, fucker. So, um, apparently he's retired, uh, Jack Nicholson. He doesn't. He hasn't done a movie in a long time. Uh, I was going to say, like, he doesn't seem like he's been super relevant lately. No, not at all. He just, I mean, if you're a Lakers fan, you see him in all the games. But otherwise, Screaming. no. Screaming. So, fuck you. Cancel that guy. I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, oh, Jack. Um, anyway, the last person I want to talk about is Bob Kane. Creator of Batman. Do you know about Bob Kane and Bill Finger? No. Okay. I'm going to link down below. Everyone needs to go on Hulu and watch this documentary called Batman and Bill. And it's about Bill Finger and Bob Kane, the creators of Batman. So here's how it kind of went. In 1939, Bob Kane, who was a cartoonist and an animator came up with the idea for Batman, and he wanted to pitch it to, it was a company that later becomes DC, right? The comic book company. And he takes it to them because they were looking for superhero characters because of the success of Superman. Superman was the first superhero in comics. After Superman, they're scrambling for more ideas, and he comes up with the idea for Batman. He takes it to a friend, they're they're not even friends. He just knows a writer that he went to high school with. Named Bill Finger, Bill Finger's a writer, kind of a quiet guy. And he says, hey, like, I've got this idea for a character named Batman. Can you help me out with him? According to Bill Finger, he shows him a sketch. And in the sketch, he's wearing, like, like a red suit and, like, these kind of, like, a flying wing contraption thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to, like, Da Vinci's... Flying machine. Yeah, the flying machine thing. And he's wearing, like, a domino mask, which is, like, the little mask you wear over your eyes, like uh, Robin. Yeah. And he's blonde... And he doesn't have, like, gloves or anything, and he's swinging from a rope. So, basically, not Batman at all, right? (laughs) And just the picture that says Batman. And Bill Finger's like, okay, well, if you want him to be, like, a bat, then maybe you should give him a cow. Instead of a mask. Maybe some ears to put on top. And instead of red, you know, if he's going to be hanging out at nighttime like bats do, then maybe he should be wearing black instead of like dark colors instead of red. And let's put this bat symbol on his chest. And the flying thing is dumb, obviously. So let's (laughs) give him (laughs) cape loosely in the shape of like, you know, a bat's wings or whatever. And so basically everything that makes up Batman, Bill Finger created in one day, right? (laughs) They had basically like a handshake agreement that they'll work together on Batman, but it is essentially a creation of Bob Kane. So how that worked is that Bill would write the comics and there was other artists working on the comics and Bob Kane was would pay them. Bob Kane would take the comics and take them over to DC and get paid for that. Right. Right. And so when Bob Kane turned in all the stuff, they didn't really care who was working on it. Yeah. And back then, who did? There, this was small time stuff back then. This was just, you know, something to put in the newspapers and stuff and, and make, you know, cheap comic books out of. Yeah. They weren't asking questions. They just said, all right, thanks, Bob Kane. This is amazing. Let's get more Batman stuff. Bill Finger, within the next year, came up with the whole detective angle that instead of just being like a superhero, he's actually more of a detective. So normal guy. He came up with his origin. That we talked about. He came up with the characters of Robin, Joker, Two-Face, Riddler. He came up with the concept. All the classic of- villains. Oh my god. He came up with the concept of the Batmobile, the concept of the Batcave, the concept of Gotham City, I think Commissioner Gordon, basically <laughs> any- well, Anything that's Batman. Yes. Bob Kane just had the name. The and name. that's it. And a name's really not worth that much when you think about <laughs> it, you know, because- he- You could have named him something else easily. Exactly. So, Batman becomes a big hit in the comic book world, right? And Bill Finger is helping write all these characters. The 60s come along and there's kind of a change and Batman gets new writers and it gets kind of taken away from them. So, Bill Finger stops working on Batman, but he ended up working on some other comic books like Green Lantern and just writing writing for TV and stuff like that. Okay. Around this point in the 60s, the TV show happens. And Batman explodes in popularity because of the TV show. Bob Kane becomes an overnight millionaire, right? <laughs> and he's not really doing anything. He's not doing shit. No, yeah. he's not. He's just taking the credit. He's just, he's just reveling in the celebrity, right? Bill Finger, meanwhile, maybe serendipitously ends up writing for an episode of The Batman Show. Right, He just writes one episode with a friend of his who's like a fellow writer and maybe his only friend, honestly. And this is a man who's spent the last like 25 or so years not getting any credit for his creation, Batman, like the most popular character of all time. They write this episode, they go and watch the episode, and he tells his friend, can I please just have top billing for once? I want to see my name on this episode. And his friend's like, yeah, like, I don't care. Like, why not? And he realizes because it was kind of a not that little known of a secret among their circles that Bill Finger was responsible for Batman's creation. Right. And he finally just got to see his name on the screen associated with Batman. And that's all he wanted. That's all the credit he got, by the way, for Batman while he was alive was Shit. that one episode of that T V show. That's, that's really that's, sad. Yeah. That's it. By nineteen, I think, seventy three, his the same friend hasn't heard from him. They live in the same apartment building in Manhattan, goes to see him, uh, has a key has a spare key to his apartment, lets himself in, and there's Bill Finger. He passed away on his couch watching T V. Damn. Bill Finger died essentially penniless and all alone, while Bob Kane died as a multimillionaire known for creating, (laughs) single-handedly, creating Batman, the most popular character of all time, right? So, the documentary called Batman and Bill is about this author who stumbles upon the story because he needs like a next thing to write about. He stumbles about the story and he gets obsessed with it and he goes and he does so much research and he wants to find any account of Bill Finger having credit cuz he wants to overturn this. He wants Bill Finger to get some recognition right for obviously creating the most popular because character it's, ever. It's an injustice that he didn't. Exactly. He is kind of the Batman of, of this story. Yeah. He does so much detective work. He finds out that Bill Finger was married twice actually, but not when he was not when he died, not when he was living alone. And had one kid. And so, in order to legally do anything, to give Bill Finger credit, he would need a living heir. Of which he didn't have. Obviously, he wasn't related to Bill Finger. So, he's looking for a living heir. And he finds out that his only son, Fred Finger, died in the 90s from shit. HIV because he was gay. And assumes, <laughs> well, shit, that's it. Like That's uh, the end of the that's line. That's the end of the line or whatever. Ends up doing more research. In that amount of time, he finds... Bob Kane, before he died, was making a biography. So let me rewind. Before then, there was like a letter that someone wrote basically saying, hey, Bill Finger needs more credit for Batman back in like the 70s because so-and-so and whatever, and he actually is responsible. And Bill Finger, being kind of a quiet, introverted guy, didn't really stand up for himself at this time, right? Yeah. But someone else was kind of helping him out. Someone and, like, had his back. Exactly. Bob Kane writes a scathing essay about how no – I came up with Batman all by myself, blah, blah, blah. Bill Finger was just my employee. He wrote a couple pages. That's it, right? Uh. Um, no, yeah, he he doubled down on it. Fast forward to when, like, the 90s, when um, Bob Kane is getting older, he has a biography written about him. And in that biography, because he's much older now, they asked him about Bill Finger, and he was like, as an older man, he's like, you know what? Maybe I treated Bill Finger unfairly, because he is probably responsible to... Hmm, 50 to 75% of Batman's creation, he fucking admits it on tape, right? <laughs> 50 to 75%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's his side of the story, meaning it's probably more, and we know yeah. that it's more. But he admitted to Bill Finger getting majority of the work, mm-hmm. right? Therefore, and shouldn't Bill Finger, none of none the, of the credit. credit. And again, died penniless. And that's what really kind of set this in motion. The guy in the documentary finds out that Fred Finger, Bill Finger's gay son who had passed, actually it did have a kid because he was like dumb of me to assume that just because he's gay, he didn't have children. I should have looked into that. Right. He had a daughter who he was kind of estranged with daughter lives in Florida, flies to Florida, finds his daughter. And the daughter's like, I had a weird relationship with my dad. And on top of that, he died when I was like a teenager from HIV. It, 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 I'm not, I know all about Bill Finger, but I really want no part of this. Right. And he's like, fuck. Right. So, so don't you want money? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> he's like, and then he, she tells him, listen, f- my dad, Fred Finger, he did this. He, he tried. He, he talked to people. He wrote to WB. Like he tried getting Bill Finger some credit. And basically he was told he doesn't have enough money to like take this huge conglomerate to court. You know? You're right. So that's where that is. Like we give up or whatever. Yeah, like the average person isn't going to take WB to court. Exactly. Someone convinces her to, like, at least write to WB. And so she's like, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I would really like to talk about my grandfather's contributions to Batman. And WB's like, oh, like, you, we're so glad you called us. And you know what? We've got this movie coming out, The Dark Knight. This is 2008. Why don't you come down... It was this recent that... Yes. Oh, oh shit. Why don't you come down to... It's more recent, actually. Why don't you come down to Hollywood, and you can be at the premiere. You can meet Christian Bale and... Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman and you can be on the red carpet and blah, blah. blah. She's like, okay, cool. And they whine and dine her and whatever. And they gave her some money. And she's like, I guess we're all good or whatever. It was hush money. Okay. So then <laughs> the next movie comes out, Dark Knight Rises. And they're like, oh, hey, like, you know, we're happy to hear from you. And we just want you to sign this paper and take this check. And that was hush money. Uh. And it, she was forfeiting all her rights. Oh. Because they don't because the thing is, it's not just about putting Bill Finger's name on you know, on the byline in the comic books and in the movies and the T V shows or whatever. If you do that, you're basically acknowledging that this person and therefore their family is entitled to a lot of money. Right. Which hurts their bottom line. Oh uh, a lot. <laughs> Eighty years of a lot of money, right? <laughs> so she's like Okay, fuck you guys. Like, we're going to court. She happens to be, like, family members with a copyright lawyer. Oh. And not a big-time copyright lawyer, but... Someone that knows their shit. Yeah, they knows their shit enough to at least get a case going. They ended up settling, and WB says, okay. Like, I guess they were afraid of what they could produce or whatever. And because, again, they have Bob Kane on tape. All these people are dead. But they have Bob Kane on tape saying... Yeah, Bill Finger's responsible for most of Batman. He actually wrote most of it, even though I said a bunch of other It's actually his character. Yeah. So, in 2016, four years ago, is when Bill Finger finally gets recognition for creating Batman. His first credits were on the TV show Gotham and Batman vs. Superman. Where it'll say at the very beginning it says Batman based on characters I don't know something created by characters created by yeah Bob Kane and Bill Finger wow yeah I mean obviously she probably gets a lot of money now her family but (laughs) they deserve it it's rightfully theirs isn't that fucking wild and then there was a theory (laughs) that Bill Finger got Buried in a pauper's grave, so it's like a grave where they just put homeless people, people who have no family or whatever. But right. then, apparently, there's another account that Fred Finger, his son, had him cremated and then spread his ashes in the shape of a bat, oh, like the wow. Batman logo. So, who knows? If That's true. That's very sweet. Yeah. But again, just think of how sad it is that, like, think about the most profitable characters of all times, probably Batman and Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. But you can go anywhere on this planet and people know who Batman is. And the man who's single handedly responsible for that, like almost got evicted out of his apartment before he died with no family. Uh, Meanwhile, so we're talking Bob Kane. I don't want to insult the dead, but I will read you what's on his gravestone and let you be the judge. (laughs) His gravestone says God bestowed a dream upon Bob Kane. Blessed with divine inspiration and a rich imagination, Bob created a legacy known as Batman. Bob Kane, Bruce Wayne, Batman, they're all one and the same. Bob infused his dual identity character with his own attributes goodness, kindness, compassion, sensitivity, generosity, intelligence, integrity, courage, purity of spirit, a love of all mankind. <sighs> Laying it a little thick, I think, but again, I'm not gonna. Speaking of the dead no, I'm just saying but, that's quite a gravestone to have when when it crea- comes to light what you actually did yeah and what where the creator the real creator of Batman ended up dying so obviously I'm canceling this guy yeah he's but, kind of a piece of shit yeah when we get to Superman there's a similar story with uh, with the creators of Superman they they basically lost all their rights to DC. And they fought, like, the rest of their lives to get it back. Right. Uh, and they did not. They got fucked over real hard. But, yeah. So, um, he's canceled. Fuck that guy. Yeah. All right. All right. So, final thoughts. On the movie? Yeah.
1: It's a good watch. It's not without its flaws, but it's definitely worth giving it a try at least once. Yeah. If anything, just to see where, like,
0: where we were then and then comparing it to where we are now. Yeah. This is a good movie. I talked a lot of shit about it, but overall, it's a good movie. If we're doing stars, I'd be like three out of four. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, worth it, a watch. It was definitely fun to watch. I really liked it. I feel like it's a little rushed. I feel like it's a little short. I think it's just too preoccupied with proving itself as like cinema that it forgets to be like a complete movie. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah,
1: um, like they're trying. He's trying to like check all these boxes. Yeah, rather than you know make a. A story you know yeah like yeah. like
0: a competent story yeah i i, I think there's there's a lot of like missing gaps here but overall it like, yeah and, and you can see how this would kick off not only a series but a few more decades of comic book movies coming at you five six times a year right yeah So, Into the Phantom Zone, I'm going to say no. This is overall good. And it's more important than it is good in this grand scheme of things.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I'd say no as well. Like, it's a very good thing that this movie exists. Yeah, for sure. It's not one that I would want to just be gone, you know? So,
0: not in the Phantom Zone. Watch it. Watch it. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. Like we said, it's good to throw in a good and old thing every now and then. Uh, Our next movie is a sequel to this, Batman Returns, also available on HBO Max. And... Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. It's the only Christmas movie on our list. Yeah, which is why I, we we kind of like organized it in this order, so we get to Batman <laughs> Returns on Christmas. But unfortunately,
1: that means we have to watch Batman Forever and Batman and Robin afterwards. I I'm
0: gonna say something. I like those movies. <laughs> They're not good, but I like them. I liked them as a kid. Rewatching them, we'll see. I'm super excited for when we get to those. So we'll see. We might even take a break in there, you know, for the holidays or whatever. But we'll definitely pick up on Batman forever. And after Batman Returns, we have a special surprise coming. We got a special episode we just recorded on all our favorite Christmas movies. Superhero or not. With a special guest. That's right, there's a special guest, no spoilers. So, it's it's someone you probably know. Anyway, <laughs> so, thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks to That Piano Dude for a musical intro. Thanks for telling a friend if you told a friend. And if you didn't tell a friend, well, fuck you, tell a friend. Yeah,
1: tell, just tell them.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, make sure you leave a rating review, please. It helps a lot. You can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone. Uh, if you have any opinions, anything, if we've upset you in any way, if you would like to talk to us, you can tweet at us at films from PZ. Otherwise, you'll hear us next week, right? Hell yeah. Like I said, we're coming back with Batman Returns. All right. So see you later. Bye. (laughs) Bye.